1: welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And it's good to be back, lads. Thanks for uh, holding down the fort last week. Uh, sad to miss it. Been in moving house hell. Um, but back, people might notice my audio is a little bit different. We're I'm hoping to work through a couple of technical issues, but we're all good. And I'm just glad to uh, to be here with you two guys on a on a, on, a, on a on a Friday night here. We've all got a couple of beers. It's, uh, it's feeling very mm. festive. How are you both? I missed you. Oh, <laughs> it's only been a week. We've we talk every week, though. That. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's it's just normal, isn't it? Catch up every yeah. week, you know. I, I speak to you two more than I speak to most of my most of my other mates. I speak to you two more than I speak to my kids. <laughs> you know, if you
2: calculate the hours throughout the week, aren't they in the house right now? <laughs> no, they're not. It, it's Friday night. It's it's Dad night, so he's he's spending it with you two and oh. a can of. What are you drinking? Thank God, warehouse pale ale. Oh, I know that one. is like
1: the yellow and black one from there. From yeah,
2: Aldi. that's the one. That very much a sort of Kawada style uh, kind of beer tribute. Oh, Keep lovely. that thought in there. Um, but yeah, it's I went basically stopped by um uh Aldi on the way back. Picked up a steak three beers. It looks <laughs> the depressing choice, but I think I'm the winner. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you guys drinking?
1: Did you get any judgment from the person on the checkout? That's what right, I want, to know.
2: The mask helps. I what? was kind of smiling. That's I true. But like, I've won this.
1: I like that about the mask. If you're feeling <laughs> rough or you don't fancy having a shave or whatever, you just, you know, hat on, mask on. You don't need to see the world anymore. You can be antisocial and it's fine. All
2: um, right. I- it's a lovely by-product isn't it of, <laughs> I, of all of this avoiding dr- people becomes incredibly easy
1: it does it does i'm drinking the uh creatively named desktop mess which kind of fits the uh, the state of my house right now and the state of my desktop by malt garden it's a double ipa don't know if you've heard it before gareth you're the uh you're the beer expert in uh in our circles got it from the the killer cat uh brewery how about you uh no, don't know that one i'm a uh...
3: I'm drinking the last
1: Brewdog Hoppy
3: Christmas that I've got here, which was actually like punk. A secret, Call yourself a Punk
1: Rock, do you? Hey,
3: <laughs> well, it was actually supposed to be a um, it was a secret Santa from work that mm. we're all opening our secret Santas on Zoom this Wednesday, and. Um, Sarah just uh, the other day just uh, seeing this box there, sort of give it a shake. Oh, it's beer! It's got Gareth's name on it. He must have ordered some beer and drunk three of the beers. And then I was like, oh, I was like, that's my secret Santa that I'm supposed to be opening like in Zoom with work. Everyone's waiting to open their presents, so um, so I've had to buy some more to you know put the charades and pretend that, um, oh. that I've actually. What if you drink? I played
2: a game, and then wrapped up a Rolex watch or something. Mm, just going on, What that's... the fuck? That's really kind of me. <laughs> just to kind of the other person just stitched them up. Who that's... bought me this? <laughs> Who's supplying
1: the Rolex watch for me to put in a box? Who sent them on my way? Uh,
2: that's I'll... not my problem. That's, that's, that's for you as well.
1: Our work, Secret Santa, have done a thing where like where it's like it's all online, and it you basically need to put a wish list together as well, and it just has a link to Amazon. So, like, whoever you get and the person I got, it just came up and it, it just came up with what they wanted. I clicked the link and I bought it from Amazon and it was job done. It was like, I kind of feel like we're all paying a tenner to buy our own presents here. I don't really know, like, <laughs> what's so secret about it. I could have been anyone buying this gift. Oh, well, you, you've got to try in these trying times. That seems very, very, very cold. Yeah. Yeah. I very, just put very bit- kind of I refuse to choose on mine. I just put the word beer, and it's going to be a test for whoever gets me to uh, to find a, a decent beer. If I if I end up with a crater calling, it's going to be my own fault. But I'm really hopeful that whoever's doing it's going to going to maybe recognize that I'm a bit of a beer bore, and at the very least get me one of those. You know those shitty sets they have like beers of the world in home and bargain, where it's like you get like a, a Sol and a Corona and like maybe a Heineken, um, something like that. I'll take that over a, a crater calling.
2: There's a giant, gigantic home bargains opening up in Oxford this weekend. Um, it's Not home outside. a bargain, mate.
1: That's, uh, sorry, that's, know,
2: disgusting. <laughs> that's disgusting. I know, I know. Never, I've never understood it, but I don't question it. There was a shop years ago in
1: Liverpool called it, and we just carry on calling it. at that now, that's it. It's never said it, it's just what we decided. I assume Garrett's a home home and bargain type of guy as well.
3: I'm I'm a home and bargains, uh, yeah, definitely a home and bargains guy. And um, they did get to a point where I stopped calling ASDA ASDA and decided to call it the ASDA as well. So I think that's when my my full scouse creds
1: uh, (laughs) finally came to the fore. The The Argos as well, that's the other one. Yeah, the ASDA, the (laughs) Argos. <laughs> it's never, what? it's never what? the Tesco though. It's just Tesco or just Sainsbury's. But Asda gets thee, I don't know why. What, what has Asda, and by, by
2: greater kind of margin, Walmart done to deserve getting the kind of the put at the front of it? And Argos, for that matter, who mm. are in the same family as Sainsbury's, so surely it'd make. Un- <laughs> <overthinkable>. <laughs> I appreciate your thoughts, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is, isn't it? I definitely remember the first time that I called it the Azda, and I kind of was like, "Oh, oh no!" Like it was a, I'd like I'd
1: hit that point. It's You've lived there too long. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: what were you going to say about Azda anyway, JP?
2: Um, nothing really particularly interesting. There's an Azda living near me, but that's just not even an anecdote. That's just more the location <laughs> of a store. Um, I think you two have walked very nearby to it. That's the end of that anecdote. <laughs> cool story, bro. Be that one, Bobby Heenan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus. I uh, yeah, no, things in tier I'm three. JP?
2: Uh, it, I'm not in tier three, tier two. Oh yeah, Oxford. yeah, yeah. Tier two, Oxford's all right.
1: Gareth, yeah, that's get on the road. Tier yeah. two to tier two.
2: Tier two, yeah, yeah. You can you can mm, come yeah, to this. Come you, you can come down to this this tier two uh, any time down to it. That sounds like quite creepy. so apologies <laughs> for that. Uh, But no, it's, it's okay. It's kind of, the problem is I've been teaching. So Mm. I've been out all of the week anyway. So it just feels like for me, lockdown two hasn't really been in place because I've just been going into work Mm. just with extra precautions Mm. and no one else has. And I've done all the Christmas shopping online this year. So uh, I'm happy to avoid stores like in good times during fucking boom times. I'm happy to avoid the store. So even more so at the minute. Um I don't know where else going with that. So I'm a bit all over the place tonight. <laughs> um, Christmas shopping on the brain, fitting in so much wrestling as well. Yeah, it's having that's... Benno back. It's it's you know, it's lovely. It's good times. Oh <laughs> I no mean, it's being
3: about this. <laughs> it's dead, dead weird though, Benno, because because 'cause you're having to... Uh... Do this off your uh, phone. Mm. Keep going, pixelated. You look like the lawnmower man or something like
1: that. (laughs) Yeah, that is the reason we haven't gone live on video tonight. Uh, Yeah, is uh, is my move in hell. Like, yeah, I've got no electricity right now. Well, I've got electricity, but it's under like the previous person who lives here. Name. So, like, I'm paying. Like, uh, I'm having to like use a lot of those stupid little key things to get my electricity going until he can move her over. I've got no internet, so I'm having to tether and do everything via my phone. It's all very very primitive. Uh, and basic, but I'm making it work. Uh, it's hell. Never move, everyone. It's uh, it's an absolute mistake. Uh, I, I wish I hadn't done it. I'm still living amongst boxes now. Yeah, it's uh, it's all going. Has
3: uh, it gone gone alright? Apart from the uh, le- electricity
1: problems, fucking honestly. Like, if there's been a problem, I've had it. Like, honest. When um, I'll tell. T- I would started, and one of the main reasons I missed last <laughs> last week's show, like, was just. Just honestly, everything's going wrong the day I moved in. I the the guy showed me around and was like, oh yeah, you know, uh, you, you know, this is how your electricity works. This is how your water works. You know, go, going around the house doing the tick box and stuff. And I went, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I did notice, by the way, have you put a new front door on the place? And he was like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, funny story. Hey, the person who lived here before you, um, yeah, the police came and knocked the door down and, uh, and executed the warrant a couple of weeks ago. So I was just like, oh, that, that, that's great to hear. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like. And he's like, oh, no, it's fine. Right. They, they, they got the wrong address because he didn't live here anymore. I was like, yeah, but what am I going to do on January the 4th when I'm sat in my underwear at 5 in the morning and the police come <laughs> bursting into her <laughs> looking for this person who doesn't live here anymore? Oh, fuck me. It was like, "Well, that's a great start. Like, I literally had, like, two, be- two weeks after living here, I went outside and there was a bloke stood outside and I have moved to Toxteth, which is an area with a reputation, but you know, not entirely an aired one. It's a, it's a very nice place in a, in a lot of ways too. Um, but like, there was just a bloke stood outside my house taking photos. <laughs> so I was like, are you from the estate agents? And he just went, no. And I was like, um, Jesus. okay. And he was like, oh, <laughs> I was mate, like so why are you taking photos? And he was he's like, just, he's just a big, big fan of the podcast. He was a big bloke as well. You better mean no. yeah. Maybe it's one of our one of our listeners, um, and he was just like, "Oh yeah, I'm just uh, just taking photos," and I was like, "Right, I can see that, but 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 why?" And he's like, "I'm closing a complaint," and I was like, "Okay then." And that could
2: him. mean a lot of things.
1: And then he just got in his car and drove off, and it was like an unmarked car, and I think I've slowly realised since it's probably something to do with the police breaking the door down a few weeks ago. Maybe they did really get the wrong address, and I shouldn't expect, like a knock at the door from like you know the police again or like the person who lived here before i'm thinking of the like was it like a drug house or something i'm gonna find loads of like drugs under the floorboards if i do jp we're going into business um (laughs) every
2: every cloud mate
1: oh i was so paranoid (laughs) i've literally changed the locks that's how paranoid i was it's all settled down now and it's all very nice and i I do really like the place but yeah that that, whoever lived here before has uh set me up proper
2: and as soon as lackey moves in course, <laughs> the fucking hallway, then maybe do. it was I mean, him. Maybe that's what
1: it was. No.
3: Get your muscles at <laughs> the ready. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Uh,
1: but yeah, other than
2: that, it's gone it really makes well. You lo- makes you long for those working men's clubs near the near fucking Goodison,
1: doesn't it, with all of this? It does, it does. You'll have a well of a time when you come come round and visit JP. I'll show, show you the real Liverpool this time. Um, oh, I thought I was moving up in the world, but apparently I haven't.
3: I, I love the way you say it now. You changed the locks when actually uh, two weeks ago they took the whole fucking door off so the locks ain't going to matter. I
1: know. <laughs> I was more thinking the person who lived here
2: before turn coming into back. a though. fucking panic flat, don't you? Like Jodie Foster did. It. <laughs> that's it, I'll just
1: hold up, watch wrestling with the cat, it'll be fine
2: I, I did get an image in my head of like um, very early on January 4th, them kicking in your door mm-hmm. and they're just wondering why there's a bloke in his pants, mm. watching a couple of sort of half-naked Japanese men <laughs> rolling around in an arena just see what the instant image is of that <laughs> with, <laughs> with, something I'd like, Greg- like say, a picture for
3: With Greg's crumbs all over him. Exactly,
2: yeah. (laughs) And it turns out he's got like three kilos of crack underneath the fucking floorboards (laughs) as all this is going on. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, so that's in my future, uh, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and I escaped. I escaped to London last weekend to get a bit of a tier two to tier two. It's okay. Uh, it's fine. It's allowed um, to go out and have a have had a few beers and drinks and stuff. So that was nice. It was nice to like get a bit of normality again. Like the uh, the whole this whole business I was saying on BWE of like you've got to have something to eat with your meal. I don't know if you've been out yet, Gareth, but you mentioned Brewdog before. I went to Brewdog while while we were in London and like. They literally on the way in. They were like, "Yeah, so buy a meal, and as long as you've still got maybe a slice of pizza or a couple of chips on your on your on your plate, we'll just keep bringing you beer." And that seems to be the con. So if anyone's going out over this period, that's that's all you need to do apparently um, to to get around this system. Uh, Gareth, we've got a we'll have to get out to Brewdog over the Christmas period. I think I think that's the place to go uh, at this point. Yeah.
3: Sounds good. I was, I was around the corner. At, um that Hampson's place around the corner like a couple of weeks ago and there's just two like proper old fellas there who like just like 70 year old fellas and they were just sharing one one slice of baguette between them <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, a meal? Like, and like it was uh we were you know we, we were having a proper meal in there they were in there a good couple of hours just peeling away a slight piece, piece of crumb from this bit of baguette and a Sunk about ten pints each in that time, but there you go. Work the system, why not? That's a substantial meal. So what was it like? Was it rammed?
1: It was. It was like. Being, it was like normal. It was just like being back in in normal life. Like I was saying to you, JP offline, I saw a load of Arsenal fans out for the uh, the Spurs game on Sunday. It was just, yeah. It's kind of like I feel like they're not. They're not I mean, I, I say this. I went to London. You know, you're not really supposed to uh, to travel between to, between places. But again, tier two to tier two, so it's okay. But yeah, it wasn't particularly taken seriously. Well, like I said on BW, literally, like we went to a place where when you when you bought when you bought a beer, they made you buy a slice of pizza, and that slice of pizza was basically made of cardboard and was basically just there as, a, as, a, as an ornament on your table, so that like if the police came, they'd just be like, well, we're serving Meals. And it's fine, oh. but I think Liverpool's the same. I think, yeah. <laughs> when we when we end up in full scale lockdown in January again, I don't think uh, anybody should be shocked.
2: I was walking past a few pubs tonight, and there was a lot of stuff about was it Scotch eggs being considered to be a substantial?
1: Yeah, martin was saying that on BW. Yeah, and
2: I like a good homemade Scotch egg is a fucking delight. Oh, I can um, see you making a good Scotch egg, JP. I can't. I've never made one in my life. Oh. I'll give it a go because um, it does seem all manner of awesome but I don't know if I'd classify it as a substantial meal. 20 of them, yeah, alright, but then you're probably going to puke up like fucking Cool and Luke or something, aren't you? <laughs> like, it's like, at the same time, like, yeah, cardboard for pizza, I mean, problem is though, if you're having a few beers, if they were like bringing out, you'd still eat it regardless, no? Mm, this is the issue. Once, yeah, because then it's just fucking cruel, it's just putting shit food in front of you while you're getting drunk, it's just a <laughs> she have just brought a Tesco's meal, dearly.
1: <laughs> there you go. That counts, doesn't it? Yeah. Tesco should start doing beer. Aldi, there you go. The Aldi. meal. Aldi should set up a little food counter. We can all go go down there and get some beers like you've got. I love the Aldi beers. That'll work. Uh, fucking hell. Yeah, again, we'll be in lockdown again by January, so enjoy everyone. Yep. Um, and I'll probably be in prison when the police bo- knock down my door on January 4th, so, you know, we're all going to have a great uh, oh, <laughs> a
2: great New Year. Your landlord, is it Michael French, turn? <laughs> Stephen French. French. French.
1: Who's Michael French? That's what I would <laughs> know.
2: <laughs> uh, he's my cousin. So I don't know why I'm mentioning that. That would just be all manner of weird anyway.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, He's the lead contender for the episode title now. Um...
2: <laughs>
1: so he's <laughs> he going to listen.
2: He be listening to this unless things have taken a drastic turn in his life. I feel like if you go He runs Facebook... a
1: minicab service out of North <laughs> <Alton>. <laughs> I mean, if he stumbled across a podcast that you're on and the title is Michael French, he's probably going to listen... <laughs> oh Michael, if you are
2: listening, yeah, have a listen mate. How are you? How are you, How are you getting on?
1: Um uh, I'll
2: just leave it I'll leave it, I'll leave it at that. Well I, I,
1: I just assume we call this week's podcast either Peggy Peggy Mitchell or Tiny Lister. Like, I, was, yeah, I felt bad last week missing out oh. on the uh, the Maradona and the Pat Patterson talk. I don't know what's like the the bigger loss this week having having those two legends uh, go this week. Like what what's going on right now? It's time of year. I don't know, but yeah, Peggy and Tiny, Zeus the human record machine, like wrestling wrestling royalty. You know, Zeus and Babs. I know <laughs> Zeus and Babs. There's the title.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know when I, uh, to talk? Uh, tiny Zeus Lister first. I always think of that promo he does, that shit one. Is it SummerSlam 89? He's in the main thing. It's just the gift. Beefcake Baba. Hulk Hogan. We, and he's just awful. In The Dark Knight, he's like a fucking, you know, there's a dueling sense of kind of like this bad man who's having to kind of just throw out the the bomb, sorry, spoiler alert, it's been a few years, and he throws the bomb out of the out of the boat. That's no, in Dark Knight. Yeah, in Dark Night, Like, you know, Jesus, he had range, and he couldn't do it for WWE. But, um, yeah, he had a much bigger career than he should have done, shouldn't he? Mm. What else was he in? I'm forgetting now at this point.
1: Friday is a big one, mate, like you say. It's, oh, Friday, uh, Jesus. Yeah, that, that's what most people... Would probably like we all know him as Zeus, the Human Record Machine, or, or Z Gangster for as his, uh, his little run in uh, in WWE as the tag team partner of uh, oh what was the other bloke called? The uh, the Final Solution the was Element, it? like
3: Jeep, Jeep Swanson.
1: Yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeep> <laughs>
2: that's
3: a
1: that's the better name. Than yeah. yeah,
2: he played Bane, didn't he? Yeah, he Batman yep. and Robin. Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, like I I was th- I was thought of him as like a i think him as the wrestler still like i still remember being a kid and convincing my mum to go and rent no holds barred from like the local video shop because i think was it a 15 or an 18 or something it was wasn't very well marketed to be honest considering it was like a film that a load of like child hulk hogan fans were going to go out and get i do remember it but having like quite a, a higher uh, rating over here uh so to me he was just like the terrifying guy from my childhood but to most people, yeah, he's he's Debo from Friday. Uh which is you know, it is a it is a great character.
3: Uh oh, it is one of them though where like like my best mate from like back home who just hates wrestling and I mean, he used to try so often to just get him to watch wrestling when we were kids and he just wouldn't have it ever like and then the only thing he ever enjoyed was Zeus because he just used to like, like laughing at the ridiculousness of Zeus like with the with the the Z on the side of his head and all that and then like Jesse Ventura and Gorilla did some great commentary around that time with him as well my mate would just piss, piss himself about and then like I just sent him the message this morning. Zeus is dead, and he was just just distraught. You know, put all these wrestling icons uh, in, in, who've died over the years. Wouldn't know who they are. Wouldn't give a shit. Told him Zeus was dead. That was it. You know, he was wasn't happy. It was uh, ruined his morning.
1: <laughs> it's a, it's such a weird film though, Holds Bad, isn't it? It's like it kind of presents wrestling as a shoot. But it's kind of like there's a little bit of insiderness with like the executives trying to like buy off the restless and stuff and you know Hogan. I always thought it was weird like Hogan's in there like what what's his name in it Rip something like why is he not yeah. just Hulk Hogan like because he's basically just Hulk Hogan in in the film but with blue tights I think it is he wears yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I feel I feel rip like Hogan. that's it yeah I feel like these days doesn't he kill one of the executives I'm sure that's a scene does Hogan kill one of I'm sure he does with like a shoot move or something. Maybe I've made that part up.
3: Wasn't that, wasn't that on a talk show in America?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, there it is was, that. Uh, I think it's played by, by Kurt
2: Fuller. I'm ah, having a look at that's it. That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there he is. He looks like the kind of person who just plays a smarmy bastard. in the Yeah, yeah. smarmy fucker. Yep. Joan Severance in there as well. What do I recognise her from? Probably there. would have fancied her back in the day. That sounds more likely.
3: But his, his def- Legal I, weapon.
2: Uh, mm. I remember
3: Rip defending the title at the start of that, and he's like defending it against uh, Demolition Axe. And like as a kid, I was like, "Why is Demolition Axe getting a title shot?" I just couldn't <laughs> like. <laughs> it just didn't equate in my mind. <laughs> he's joking. The ridic- uh, it's years since I've watched that film, but there's so many things just burned into my like brain of mm. like Hogan jumping through the roof of a car kind of thing that's where he's like trapped in the car and then like when he's supposed to be like think that uh there's like some Hogan Hotel sex uh, scene, but it's actually him just doing push-ups on the floor or something like that. It's just like such a bizarre <laughs> odd film. Just as, as you see these like painful, like these orange feet, the same color the curtains that and see behind your head, just like going up and down as Hulk's doing his press-ups and that. Like it's just uh, such an odd film. It's Stan Hansen, isn't it? Isn't Stan Hansen in the in the bogs or something like that? And he like,
1: oh like, yeah, I forgot Stan Hansen was he's, in he's, it. Yeah, he he's, is. He's,
3: he's, yeah. Sex for like the size of his knob or something like that. Like, it's such an odd, like, you're like, why stan answering it kind of thing? Why not a WWE or WWF guy kind of thing? It's, uh, it's oh. very
2: bizarre. I'll watch this again soon. Mm. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page here and you mm. mentioned, I'm going right, okay, so I'm going to go into the ending here, but I'm going to read a couple of lines from this. Rip finally puts an end to the match by knocking Zeus off a catwalk, which causes him to fall through the ring and lose. I mean, sorry, i ecw went through the ring at least fucking effort there a frustrated brell who's this bad guy Mm. begins destroying electrical equipment enraged over zeus's loss rip angrily goes after brell intending to repay him for his misdeeds in fear brell retreats but accidentally comes into contact with live wires he is exposed in his tirade and is electrocuted Wow. With their enemies vanquished, Rip and Randy celebrate victory with their friend. Just watched a man die, <laughs> which he has played a part in his death, regardless of what else has happened then it's like, oh, well, you know, don't win them all. Can't win them all, can you? Just treat him like he's fucking Frank Grimes. <laughs> You know, <laughs> laughing
1: at his funeral. I, I just love that they were like, you know, the, the way Hogan. The way to promote this is yeah, let's take the actor and let's give him a match with Hogan. Let's team him up with Savage. Let's put let, let's let literally b- bring him into wrestling and make- a, I mean as a kid I felt like it worked. I I, I believed it. I didn't realise he wasn't really a wrestler. I just thought he was a wrestler turned actor. I didn't realise it was the other way around. Um so you know, he convinced me. Uh, but saying that, I was probably seeing it a couple of years later. Cause when, when did it come out? Was it like 1989? i think it is 89. an 80s film 89. isn't it like, yeah, yeah yeah. i'm just i'm just googling it now just to, to know that it's just come up like the i recognize the video cover it's the one they had in my local video shop it's like a red yeah. cover it's got 15 on it which again i feel like for a film with hulk hogan was a mistake but like the thing that's funny and i would forgotten about this is on the back cover it's literally just a picture of hogan in yellow and red in a hulk rules t-shirt which does not appear <laughs> in the film whatsoever which is just purely clearly them trying to just get whatever WWE fans they can find to, to buy the fucking thing. Well, wasn't the plan? I think the plan originally
3: wasn't it that it was going to be like Hulk against Zeus at WrestleMania six. Like, imagine that! <laughs> imagine what that match would have been like. Oh one, man, one, one on one. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Better than the other plan of Hulk versus Sid. I don't know. <laughs>
2: I still would have wanted to see that. Oh, that was
1: it's it, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, I was going to say, we would have been,
3: been denied your five-star Hogan Warrior match there, Benno. We would have had a Hogan Zeus instead.
1: I might have given that five stars too, to be honest. You know, get get uh, get old Pat Patterson, the RIP in peace, uh, behind there and uh, putting the match together. I believe he could have done it. He did it with Warrior, so he could have done it with Zeus.
3: Maybe if crazy executive Vince McMahon fell into some electrical wires and died at the end, I'd give it five stars. But remember, that's the the only scenario.
1: (laughs) Oh well, head of its time anyway. Yeah, I think he was only like sixty-two or so. So yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty sad. But but... quite similar to Ready to Rumble, doesn't it? In
2: some ways, but just as kind of taken completely seriously.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, doing a wrestling film like. Is there ever going to be a good one? Like, really? Like the I, wrestler. There was what was that one that came out this year? The uh, the one with Foley in it. Ah,
2: peanut butter Falcon. Yeah,
1: that was okay, but like you, you're not getting a, like a, a a great wrestling film. I, I can't see it happening. No, no. Unless you count Ready I, to, Rumble as one.
2: Well. I I would just say the wrestler, the Darren Aronofsky film. That's yeah, like, I suppose so. The,
1: yeah, I am that, missing that.
2: That. But then, effectively, how many times can you tell that kind of? can you tell that story without, I always think the problem with it, with making a kind of really good drama about wrestling is to a degree, you need cooperation of the wrestling companies in mm-hmm. terms of logistics rings, but also recognizable people. And it's, it's like, it's a big undertaking. And I think for a lot of it, it the one company you want involved is WWE. And they're the one company that you wouldn't want involved because then you're going to make, because they only make shit. Mm-hmm. Don't they? I mean, I'm going to be bringing up Michael Bay when talking NXT, you know, and that's one of the, you know, that's their kind of, that's what they think is great art, mm-hmm. that, yeah, you know, shot that doesn't last
1: any longer than two seconds. And <laughs> I, I think the wrestlers got going for it. It's had Necro Butcher in it, so I shouldn't do that down. I always thought that was a fact. Yeah. I thought it was overrated by the art house lot, but I still think it was a good film. Oh,
3: or... did, did you did you ever see Body Slam in the in the eighties with like Face from the A Team and? Rowdy Roddy Piper and um,
1: I don't think I've seen that. Oh, that
3: uh, oh, it's 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 terrible, but it's like terribly good. Who else is in it? Um, the Simone Savage from WC, uh, Tom, like um, Sam Fatu. He's he's in it, and then there's like there's, there's, there's all sorts of um, there's all sorts of like little cameos in there, like Freddie Blassie and Lou Albano. I, I think Flair might be in it, or Sam Martino maybe. Um, but that was um, yeah, oh god, that was. That, that was like, I think that was the first wrestling film I'd ever seen, kind of thing. And uh, that was, it was, it, it's all a bit, uh, it's all a bit odd. It's all a bit rock and wrestling, kind of thing. That's, uh, you've just met, you just, you only talked about it there, just suddenly like triggered that memory. I don't think I've watched that for about 25 years, but I might just, I might just dig that out this weekend for a little laugh.
2: There's, there's Patreon content here, lads. There I'm you go. Try, there's a, series try, try out. a of the Max, Max, there as well. There's a, there's very much, a, I noticed when going on to, um, amazon prime there's a lot of steve austin action films on there which i've all put down on the list they look the same they look like they're the same film Mm. just with him wearing different clothes in it Mm. but effectively the steve austin doing steve austin which i'm kind of fine with
1: yeah he was always like an action guy wasn't he that's kind of he's he's basically an action film star brought to life in wrestling it's a bit like goldberg same thing
2: he never he was never going to do the thing the rock did which was take risks with his career mm. and not just go down an action movie route but do the the kind of ro- role in the um get shorty sequel or do that awful film was it shortland tales by the guy did donnie darko
4: mm.
2: um richard kelly which is a terrible film and makes zero sense um but he was taking risks on the art house stuff and stuff that was a bit more dramatic so then when he started to have like the kind of box office hits. It's kind of what Dave Batista's doing, is you do these smaller roles in these kind of films and then before you know it, you're thought of as a completely credible actor. Steve was never going to do that, was he? No. <laughs> he was he was never going to take like a kind of I don't know, a bit part role in a I don't know, some sort of critically acclaimed Netflix drama series, was he? That that was never gonna never gonna quite happen. Uh,
3: you just want to you just want to see Steve Austin being Steve Austin though, like just yeah. in a different setting. Like, well, that's what happened was... with The
1: Rock, isn't it? Because The Rock was trying to like be a serious actor and he grew his hair out and he lost all that weight and it was like, no, mate, we just want you to get muscles and be like, just be The Rock. And like, if anything, he became like The Rock literally on steroids. <laughs> and and like that that when he did like Fast and Furious Five and then on from there into like becoming like the biggest movie star in the world, it's because he leaned into that, just being big wrestler guy, rather than trying to be, oh, I'm a serious actor. I mean, I suppose it's supposed to work for Dave Batista, but, you know, for, for, for The Rock, for Steve Austin, I think that's what you expect.
2: It is a very funny case, isn't it, with them? Because they're both being, at the same time, two genuine megastars. I mean, I always felt that Austin was the bigger wrestling star, but The Rock's obviously the bigger overall star.
1: Totally. By quite some margin. And Rock doesn't happen without Austin either. Like, Austin is the reason yeah. The Rock exists.
2: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But It's always been good, that they've always recognized that,
4: mm.
2: and they've always kind of recognized that, that Hunter is an asshole. Like, <laughs> you know, they'll never say it publicly, but it's like, yeah, no. you, you try and tag on
1: like this was a trilogy, mate. No, it never fucking you're not in our class, mate. Uh, I was gonna say before we do move on, any, any strong thoughts on, uh, on Barbara Windsor, JP? Uh, I know Joe's not here, so I felt like you might be the yeah. guy. Any, any, are a big I... carry on guy? I feel like you were a big carry on guy.
2: Well, there was a program. I, I want to say it was called That's Carry On, which mm. is like half an hour kind of compilations of carry-on films. Gareth, you might remember remember this. You're of a certain age as well. <laughs> like, sure. that was something, and it was kind of, there was, so I do remember carry-ons, like, quite a lot. It was kind of like my, there were a lo, lot of my family liked that stuff when i go up to, like, spend time with my mum's family up in North Allen, they, they loved it, even though there were, like, tits all over the shop like they were just laughing away and i was like all right we're just letting this slide then fine <laughs> um and so carry on camping i won't lie it um is kind of what ends up coming to mind
1: mm. um it's definitely the first yeah. film where i saw some boobs like we've got to be honest yeah and it was like five <laughs> exactly. o'clock in the afternoon on bbc when i saw it like apparently it was just because, ah. because it was barbara windsor i feel like it was okay
2: yeah <laughs> just like a bizarre like kind of fog on the national consciousness. Well that's all right. Yeah she's royalty. She isn't move she? on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the Queen of the Queen then, Vic, you know?
2: yeah And then that Peggy Mitchell run mm. as Joe described it. <laughs> um, in his words, um very very much like one of the great runs.
1: Like in That's terms like sure Michaels Kevin. after the Jesus retirement or so like it,
2: <laughs> Well if you think of the reinvention, kind of Terry Funk-esque. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. to a certain degree. <laughs> like going from like kind of carry on to kind of ecw in, in eastenders mm. um you know but yeah it, like hell of a career like in in fairness to her i don't like that photo of her and boris johnson doing the rounds which is piss <laughs> off oh to, is that a thing it. yeah unfortunately mm. but um yeah if, if, if you know old how, if you
3: have you not got a good Sid James impression in you, JP? I can imagine.
2: <laughs> That's as good as it, it gets. Really. <laughs> I'll do did it me. know a man called Des who was Irish who had a filthier laugh than that, and I can't do that as well. <laughs> and then he'd occasionally stop while laughing and really concentrate on the horse racing that was on in the pub at the time when I was work. Sorry. But yeah, he sounded like very much Sid James. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, JP. Cheers. Sorry, God, I had two beers
1: and I fucking lost it. In conclusion, R.I.P. Peggy Mitchell. Is basically yeah. where you're going. Yes, it's where I was going, when it completely went off. Oh, well. right. Uh, I suppose we should talk some wrestling. I suppose. <laughs> but, uh, on that note, uh, like I say, yeah, uh, you guys did a great job last week of uh, of covering uh, the famous deaths last week, uh, and obviously. Covered uh, the, the massive, massive AW show uh, last Wednesday, and obviously this week we've had the fallout as well. And yeah, this week it feels like the uh, the talk of the wrestling world is actually Impact Wrestling somehow. Like uh, I, I can't think of a a show ever, even in your wildest dreams, JP, where we we've started by talking about our Impact. But I think we're gonna have to. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> it, it's a uh, yeah, it's Impact, we made. Yeah, Yeah it's i mean can i just say by the way while i was trying to do that Garrett did an incredible job of taking his laptop all the way to the kitchen getting a beer and barely making any noise i've just broken k to uh, to tell i <laughs> very well done, very
2: impressive mate. i was watching it as well i'm, I'm
1: very, <laughs> a great towers. <laughs> yeah, very experienced at sneaking my way to beer <laughs> hey the new and improved gravel towers kitchen looks good <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thank you very much. I know you follow[s] it, keenly on Facebook through my wife's, uh, <laughs> my wife's uh, daily photos.
1: <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, Impact TV. Yeah, we'll leave with Impact. Made?
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I was listening to a, kind of a lot of the stats that have come out about this. I mean, it's been a success so far. Um, it's it's wild. It's kind of exciting. It, you know, Kenny Omega is going to appear on Impact next week there are loads of kind of potential pitfalls and the rest of it. But I think the overriding feeling I've got about this is this is just something that's interesting mm. and it has made like, I've got interest in impact. Now mm. having watched the show, there's a lot of it that's just frankly the same old impact it was before mm. really for the most part mm. in a cut in with these kind of new bits, which would suggest like you were, uh, you know, when we were talking about this in our, in our chats, you were saying that actually this is clearly something that had been, you know, already in the can, and they're just fitting in the Kenny Omega stuff and the AW stuff around that. Mm. It's, it's re- it's such a grand opportunity because it's kind of I look at this as like it's the holy grail of wrestling storylines, mm. isn't it? Interpromotional stuff mm. and promotion like stuff that crosses over into different landscapes. Mm. You do it right, and in theory everything is lifted up by it Mm. and it's just i suppose you think of why they're starting off with impact for this it's very clear they're doing the belt collector stuff which i'm generally fine with i think that's probably the smartest way you can't have them coming in and leading a tna army or all the rest of it i find like there are lots of interesting directions i'm very worried that they're going a hell of a pace with a lot of stuff at the minute, AEW, that's an overall thought with them. Yeah. For impact, I can just see nothing but good positives. The fact that Kenny Omega turned what was a normally, what about 3000 people on a Twitch stream to averaging 40,000 going up as high as 50. That's a hell of a lot. Like I read really, that's That's impressive. Mm. And then at the same time, the YouTube doing good numbers, the TV doing 221,000, there was interest there. And it's how they maintain this and how they sustain it. But, like, it's... it's. I don't know. What do you think of it, Benna? We didn't hear from you last... What do you make of this as an entire storyline? I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm transfixed by it, but I'm expecting it to go wrong. Because TNA.
0: It's
2: yeah. in the core DNA, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think I think for me, like I think last week I was I would have been very cautious. You know, if we we talked about it, I would have been like, yeah, I think. I mean, really, I didn't really see what what was in it for AEW. Like, I was extremely cold on that. I didn't really. I don't think there's talent and impact, but not that much talent. There's there's a lot of baggage that comes with teaming up with Impact. Uh, there's a lot of positive for Impact, but I didn't see the positive for AEW. But what I would say is watching this episode of Impact, it became clear what the positive is for AW. It's not... I still don't know if it's... I don't know it's probably strong. I still don't think they're getting as good a deal as Impact to get out of this relationship. Mm. But if we're getting Don Carlos teamed up with Kenny Omega, I think that's the biggest positive. I think that's probably the nucleus of this idea. I think it's purely... We need Kenny to be a heel. We need it to make sense. It might actually even make sense to have someone to talk for him. It might actually have make sense to to dig someone up from his past. And Don Carlos is right there as the you know, as he as he talked about himself in this killer promo he cuts on impact as like the uh, the invisible hands. Like that's you know, again, maybe not as big as the exposure impact get out of the AW side, but creatively, that's what AW get out of it. They get the money act in Kenny Omega and Don Carlos. And I think, you know, I'm gonna probably be Continue to be the low fan on, on Kenny as a top guy. I, I don't like the belt collector stuff. I, in fact, I like the belt collector stuff. It's the comic stuff it's I just fine maybe it's the point maybe it's the heat i've said this before about kenny you know when he yeah. came out and he had the shitty entrance and he has the girls with the broom and i'm sitting there going this fucking nerd like maybe that's the reaction they're trying to get out of me and they're trying to make me hate him because I, I really did do this dislike him and this and then and this act and i don't find it main event to be honest like some of the things that kenny does i find him a little bit too cartoonish uh, especially on aw when we get to that maybe less so in this impact show we're talking about now but I think you can cover that stuff up with one, in being one of the best wrestlers in the world at Bell to Bell. I'll never disagree with that. And two, having Don Carlos do the talking for him. So the Kenny's hammy stuff is kind of kept to the end, like it was here on Impact. And then you've got Don Carlos sitting there talking to camera and cutting like an impassioned 10 minute promo explaining. Everything that needed explaining about this story, and you know, maybe embellishing a little bit about their relationship when they were kids, and embellishing a little bit about the, the legend of the Canadian Chic or whoever he is that's uh, that Kenny's golden golden, Sheik, the Golden Chic, golden like whoever the fuck that is. It sounds impressive though, isn't it? You say Chic, and it's like, oh yeah, the Chic, yeah, of course, cool, yeah, I remember him definitely. Um, but yeah, I think he covers for the holes that are in Kenny's game as far as a top line guy, and I still think some of Kenny's instincts are off. Um, and maybe we'll get into that when we talk that side of things. But, yeah, I think that was the overwhelming thing I got out of impact here, that like I went in not really getting what was in it for AEW, and now maybe I got a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I completely see that. I mean, I, I've written on my notes here that Callis comes across as a – basically, he's a financially prudent version of uh, Paul Heyman, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a Paul Heyman who's kind of looks at the books – and whatnot and got kind of sorts things out and as a book he's very 90s like there's still a lot of impact stuff that's kind of very much still of that kind of crash tv wrestling as kind of wwe light that goes on within it as a company but i agree when it comes to him being able to put logic in there much like kind of i, I mean taz does it in a different way and doesn't have, necessarily rely on logic but they're such good talkers like he's, he is one of those people, Callis, who kind of talks you into the building, and he—and he's kind of got that. He loves the idea of being thought of as a kind of carny, which is the whole thing that he's obviously playing up on this as well. And and he—and he plays it—he plays it so well. But at the same time, his whole thing at the same is always what he's what he's been very good at is getting people over realizing kind of who the talent are and getting them over Mm. and so i don't mind the nature i like i was kind of nodding my head and and kind of smiling and laughing when you were talking about all the ways that kenny omega ends up kind of annoying you Mm. and then me going like yeah it's kind of great isn't it (laughs) yeah i find myself like and that's kind (laughs) of where i am with it it's almost like just in it's it's like there's that part of me goes well this is wrestling so it'll obviously go wrong but at the same time let's like go with this ride for as long as it is. And I think what's good about it is at the centre of it you've got Tony Khan who in and in and of himself was playing a heel like at times with his kind of I could buy this company if I wanted to. And I did that like good. enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that stuff. But him and Callis, I maybe it's silly. I've just got this idea that what Tony Khan wants to do eventually as a goal would be a Super Bowl of wrestling in that stadium in Jacksonville with loads of talent from loads of different companies and him kind of taking on what'd be like the kind of anti Vince McMahon of wanting to work with everyone and raise everything up. And there'd be like in the kind of large, like the big egg shows that they would do in Japan, that kind of ethos of everyone in there together. And this for me feels like, well, it's an easy win. It's Mm. an easy one to do with that. I think the other stuff that I'd like to personally see happening, which is, you know, some of the younger AEW, like, roster, which one of the things over the last couple of weeks that, like, is a takeaway for me is it's quite bloated now. Mm. And there's a lot of people that they're trying to get on. And I think that forces the hand into perhaps putting on too much at times. Right. And it just makes me wonder whether or not, like, that would be one of the obvious aims. And I think it works for both AEW and Impact if you can send away younger talent to hopefully be kind of, like, kind of honed there, people who are more believable, perhaps as potential top-line stars, mm. and then have them come back to AEW.
1: Yeah, we said that about AEW like the other week, did <laughs> <laughs> There
2: you
1: go, yeah. But yeah, that is what we, we were literally on this podcast, weren't we, a few weeks ago, saying that it'd be good for Joey Gennar to go to an NWA or something. Yeah, you can use Impact for that as well. Um, but yeah, um, I, don't know, I don't know. I think it was still... It, 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 I feel like it wasn't as newsworthy as expecting this Impact, but that segment was great so that made it worth it and like you said the Tony Khan segment was was worth it as well like I was again maybe it it came on and I was like uh, are we leaning too much into comedy here like is it a bit like you know them doing similar to NWA doing like the 80s wrestling kind of ad thing but some of those lines were so good as well Um, it it really was like a a, just a really killer segment yeah I mean I Again,
3: like you, like you say, there you're just like watching it, and you know I think it, it it didn't necessarily it wasn't as like monumental as you kind of like maybe thought it was gonna be or something like that. As it was like build up, like I was actually considering like, okay, should I sit up here and like watch Impact like live, you know, you know, sit up late in the night and watch it. I'm mm. fucking glad I didn't do that and just got up and watch that segment in the morning. But I think the like. I don't know. I disagree a bit, like Benno, with you. I, like, I, th- I think Omega comes across like a, a star. I think there's been such a step change in him in the last, whatever it is, you know, since they started sort of like pushing towards this character and the steps that they've gone and gone and gone and that now, like, building on it. Like, he just feels like a bigger star than he's ever felt in the, at least in the history of AEW, like so far. It he, mm. he, he feels like totally on another level to me, and like, and I think. You know, like you say, the the association with Callis has definitely improved. That that like the the interview they did with uh, Josh Matthews, like Callis just came across great there, and they just had such, you know they came across as a pair, great yep. together. I mean, JP's talking there about this idea of I don't know, like down the line and some big super show and things like that, and like people from different promotions and things. Like I don't want that at all. Like I just I just want this to be a I just want this to be a vehicle, a pure vehicle just to make Omega bigger and bigger and bigger as a star and make him just come across as, you know, as a, you know, a bigger heel, a bigger dick kind of thing, somebody that you've seen everywhere. So if you're a wrestling fan in the us outside of the wwe you're just seeing kenny omega everywhere and he's picking up belts and he's you know he's just he's coming in and he's cutting these promos with don callis where he's just coming across as like the biggest dickhead ever and then ultimately people across you know different fans of different promotion things ultimately they're just going to want to see him like cut down to size kind of thing you know almost like very kind of flair-esque going on the territories or something like that in the in the 80s like the idea of a some kind of super show where, you know, fucking all we get Larry D and Crazy Steve going against fucking, you know, Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon or something like that. And the dark match doesn't do, <laughs> doesn't doesn't fucking, you know, or some like 50 man battle royal or, you know, even at a higher level kind of thing. It's been like, OK, great. It's like it's Moose against Wardlow or something like that doesn't appeal to me in the slightest any of that. I, I, I don't think the rosters beneath that have got the legs. You know, I I think it's it's got to be all about Omega. I think these smaller promotions, and they are dramatically smaller promotions, have just got to buy into the fact that we're getting this exposure on the back of Omega being involved with us there you AW is benefiting by just using these different like platforms to just make a mega himself feel like a bigger star and like kind of broaden this storyline and, and, and take it from there. That that's got to be the end goal end, end goal for me. I'm, because I think any collaborative effort between, AW and say if it's, you know, whatever, TNA and whatever, throw some others in GCW or whatever kind of thing. It just, it almost like lessens AW in their credibility to some degree to me. It makes them feel a bit more small time by the fact that they're rubbing shoulders with these smaller promotions and they've got to send Omega mega in there and he's, mm. you know, is he's, he's, he's rubbing shoulders, you know, God forbid he's rubbing shoulders with the likes of Ricky Shane Page or something like that. Sorry, Ben Hey, um, take that back. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: he
3: should be lucky yeah, to
1: run down. Ricky Shane Page is terrible. It's, I can't defend that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and Nick Gage, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But the I mean, um yeah. well, I would
2: like <laughs> to see that. Oh, Omega God. versus Nick Gage. Yeah. You know,
3: there's fucking money in that in a one off or something like yeah. that. And it's gonna expose Omega maybe to some, you know, some, some people who aren't cross watching the audience and stuff. It's gonna get some eyes on G C W or whatever kind of thing. But I just I think the end goal it's gotta be all about Omega. It's gotta be about AEW and like you know, you know. F- these are the promotions they can just take what they can get out of it from an exposure point of view but the the last thing i want to see is a massive show with all of these guys getting dragged in and because ultimately shows like that as well then it all just becomes a big political bum fight and it's so uh, we've got to like have a time limit draw here and this person loses by dq or count out and yeah he can beat him but as long as he can beat him and stuff and you kind of you know how these things end when you know when they when, when they work those those things out in the past so
4: mm-hmm.
3: um For me, I just want them to just continue on this trajectory where Omega just gets bigger and bigger. He becomes a bigger and bigger dick. And ultimately, like for me, the end goal has got to be like Hangman, you know, knocking him off his perch kind of thing eventually. And then you've built Omega to such a level that Hangman then, you know, becomes at that level by beating him or something, you know, further down the line. Um, The whole belt collector thing got me interested though because – obviously uh, who's, uh, who's going after two belts in the dome in uh, in January um... mm, interesting mm. That's, uh... there's, a, there's, there's two belts it would be, uh, be nice for uh, Kenny to collect there isn't
1: it uh, maybe Don Carlos can, can make that deal as well uh, yeah it's like the, it's... The bridge gap I like think that's it's part so of the
2: reason to... he's there <laughs> it is it is I think that's I think it's part of the reason he gets in the room in the first place mm. is he has a good relationship with them mm. And the Chris Bay, sorry to interrupt you there, but, but the Chris Bay appearing on the Super J Cup
1: at the weekend and things mm. like that, that just that happening. Good is Brothers that... being in TNA and Rocky Romero being the main guy for the US guys in New Japan, you know? It's connections, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, and he was
2: in MLW as well, so I kind of wouldn't be surprised to see at
1: some point that happening. Mm. I, I'd be fine Kenny with that Omega as well. Omega
2: versus Nick Aldis.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I'd enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's like Gareth though, isn't it? Like you wanna. I think AEW need to be careful to be the alpha in the situation with a lot of these promotions, and they are very much the alpha with Impact. Like again, as shown by that Tony Khan infomercial uh, and the fact that they be- were basically able to take over Impact's main event. I think that's what I want out of this. What I want is Summer of Punk done right. Like you know, when CM Punk left WWE with the with the belts, you know, he should have been all over the place. He should have been ten and up in maybe ring of honor maybe evolve you know being like the rebel on the outside who's doing what he wants and defending the belt against wwe's wishes instead he put the belt in his fridge and a week later he was back on roll with a new contract yeah. um like you can do yeah, that the story
2: colt cabana remember oh
1: yeah there was he that, did do yeah. that yeah yeah um, yeah and he, yeah, he like he did like that one off at one indie i think where, where colt cabana got him to come out in front of the crowd and that was it um yeah, you want that done right. And that's where the, the belt collectors thing, you know, works for me. Like I think that is probably the direction, you know, he's probably gonna beat Rich Swan and get the impact title. I think impact are and a lesser than so much in this relationship, they'll probably agree to that. Um and he can add that to his triple A belt and he can add that to the AW belt. And Lord knows what other belt he can get there. I think they are definitely, definitely like the 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 positives uh, of this character. Um like the only the only, the only concern I've, I've always just I've always got with Kenny really is just I just it's his instinct sometimes I just think everything has to be a joke and that's what I worry about I think that was the difference between the Impact promo and the AEW promo that I, I think when he leans too hard into the comedy I just think he's got bad instincts for that stuff when yeah you you can be a dick but there's a way to be a dick that he did on this Impact show that I think was even though I didn't hundred percent love it was more effective than how ridiculous he got in AEW, but i think that's what don carlos is there for i think don carlos is there to to dilute that i think don carlos is there to make this a main event act and make it more serious and probably will do enough to stop the complainers like me moaning about you know kenny and 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 some of his instincts there and maybe parts of this being made into a joke because right now i can't say it's not working i can't say it's not entertaining tv and i can't say it's not that you know clearly the most interesting thing going on in wrestling. I just hope, you know, they keep that balance right, both from an AEW point of view with these promotions and from a point of view with Kenny, you know, walking that line uh, with this character, uh, which again, I hope uh, Carlos is there to put right.
2: Do you two also think that this is part of an overall thought process by Tony Khan, where the idea is to try and make wrestling hot, just to kind of heat it up a bit? By doing this kind of stuff and not thinking about it in the way that traditionally wrestling promoters would have, which is mm-hmm. what am I going to get out of it, that the overall thing is actually I kind of want need to heat up wrestling as a brand mm-hmm. and as an industry. And by doing this, even in small ways, it just creates little bits of interest. And I know on the ratings front, though, the whole big thing is about that younger demographic that AEW seems to be doing like very well with, certainly like a rivaling kind of raw now at this point, but that that's something I just I don't know is that completely too far from left field? That might be thought some of the thought process
3: could be. I think I think I can I can you know I can see that certainly being part of it, and I think something that we can't like discount as well is you know think how like Jade Jade is how how old we are as wrestling fans. You know we've seen everything kind of thing. Think of your average kind of like 25 26 year old wrestling fan. They've pretty much like had you know, say if they've been watching wrestling since they were 10, they've been watching, you know, WWE since, what, 2005 or something like that. Oh, they you know, they haven't experienced shit like this before. They haven't experienced the Monday Night Wars. They haven't seen people jumping from promotion to promotion. They haven't seen these kind of, like, wild angles where shit just, like, happens that's just, like, bizarre and it's not held within one bubble. And, it, and it's, you know, unless they've gone back and watched old stuff, it is going to, like, feel very, like, new and very kind of, like, Fucking, hell, what's happening, kind of thing to them, whereas to us, obviously, you've you know you've you've seen it kind of kind of thing over the years. But saying that, last week when that happened at the end of that show, that was probably as like whoa, well blown away, excited I was kind of thing about what the fuck's going on, kind of thing. Since like Punk and John Cena, you know when was that Money in the Bank? Was that 2011, 2011 11, or something yeah. like that? nine years ago? It's a, you know, it's a, and I would say probably it's going back to that on reflection where you kind of did have that kind of like what the fuck moment kind of thing that something was something a bit different was happening and a bit a, 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 a bit off the wall. And I think as much as you can create those situations, it does get people talking. Think how much like just your social media timelines and things like that have been referencing like aw and kenny omega and impact and things like that over the last week two weeks compared to what that would have been like previously it's just like it's it's night and day isn't it the 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 difference and then you know again like i referenced last week you know you've got faith in them from a long-term planning point of view that this isn't something that the fucking writing one hour before the show starts like vince mcmahon would they know what's happening in february they know what's happening in march probably with this with this storyline as well and it's you know it it only bodes well only bodes well
1: yeah that's it and i think there's something to that like you said there jp about like the rising tide kind of rises all ships i think it's creating right now at a time where you haven't really got competition anyway you know no one can run in front of crowds the world's a very different place right now you're not doing any harm given an impact a boost and you do actually create this like you say this wrestling story like you said there gareth like it creates like the conversation this week is purely about AEW, and it has been for the last ten days or so. Like, what, what else is there that's that interesting to talk about in wrestling right now? And part of it is the fact that they are, you know, working with Impact, and maybe some of us are were scratching our heads at the start of it. But it was a, you know, it's been an interesting talking point. Like, I'm even I'm watching Impact, thinking, watching that Tony Khan segment, thinking, is, is he coming in and doing the uh, the Vince McMahon stuff? In where did you do that? Was it Smoky Mountain? W- yeah, I, yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah, yeah. Like, is, he, is that where we're going for? are We doing that? Cause I take it, yeah. Like, at this point I think he'd be good at it like yeah it's just but it's all so interesting isn't it like I I am genuinely like engaged and it's it's proven in the ratings like you said before JP it it, okay Impact doing 220,000 people isn't you know incredible number but it's an, it's a very good number for impact you know the, the, the to switch numbers aren't you know hundreds of thousands but there's a bump and then we're seeing it with AEW you know the nine hundred thousand odd for for the for the show you guys talked about last week and then just under the million this week it shows Added the interest VR
2: as well. Oh
1: yeah like that well through that's that not,
2: that could be anything up to two hundred thousand depending mm. on how that is easy. Second I mean, on easy. cable for the night.
1: Yeah interest up across the board Mm-hmm. And, and
3: the thing is there as well is like you might say that about those impact numbers like, oh, it's 220,000 or something like that. But, you know, in those instances with things like that, I'd be looking at like the percentage increase, like, you know, week on week, um, for, for example. And, and, and you know, with the way that, that that, you know, shot up so significantly from like a percentage point standpoint, it just kind of demonstrates you know there's people who doubt or oh, can kenny draw can can kenny like generate interest in people well you know he clearly has that week and this storyline's clearly generated that level of input uh in, impact and if this is uh if this is like week one kind of thing if they continue to build interest and develop the storyline and the character that well uh, who's to say that it can't have you know Hey, if, if you know if, if if it if it generates 10% more interest in Dynamite, there you go. You're averaging over a million viewers every single week. You know, kind of thing. Which, which uh, again, it's another tick in the box when you're coming out from the point of view of TNT or what, banking on half a million viewers. You know, literally when the contract was signed. So you know, they're, mm. if they're suddenly like doubling that in year two, consistently doubling that in year two, how much fucking money is the next contract going to be worth for for AEW? a lot of fucking money, and especially when it, they demonstrate that they're stealing that demographic compared to Raw and SmackDown who are getting paid billions on the back of it. If, you know, it's, 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 it's fucking all positive stuff. I, you know, I think from that point of view, and it totally, totally rests on their ability to, to keep this going and keep building Kenny as a star and then building credible stars around him at the top level, which I think they've got in Ambrose. I think they're going to be able to do with Hangman Page. Like, I, like I, the more I think about Page... I really think they've they've got like a breakout character there, kind of thing. That you know, in six months' time, twelve months' time, if he's the, you know, if if he's taken that belt off a of mega down the line with the history and things that they've built in the last twelve months, you know, again, again they're just looking after their own business for the mm-hmm. next twelve months, twenty four months, thirty six months, kind of thing. They're building that longevity there. That's going to retain an audience and build an audience, and like it, it, it all just feels you know positive and exciting. Which, Christ. When was I last this positive and excited about a wrestling promotion?
4: Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's it. And I think they're doing all the right things. Like you say, it's not, it, it, it's not a temporary bump either. It's not like, okay, yeah, they did the big number because they had that match and they had Sting on the show. They followed up with another strong number. They're going to follow up next week with another strong number. Like I said, even even those incremental increases in what impact they're doing, it just shows there is a buzz in the air, and that it's it's not just a it's not just a ratings grab for one week. They've they've done something here by by pivoting this match to TV. That you know Moxley and Omega last week, like that was a match that some might have gone, why is that not in a pay per view? Well, the reason it's not in a pay per view is it feels like it's gonna spike AW's business for the foreseeable future. It feels like it's the start of something really interesting. And then you, when you combine that with stuff like them bringing in sting last week, like, I think that's a really shrewd move as well. Cause I think I, I, I bet. Yeah. Mucky Garner is sat there looking at these numbers going, okay, we've hit our head on the ceiling as far as like, you know, uh, the demo goes. And as far as like, you know, we know we're going to pretty much hit a million, you know, we're going to be just below it with DVR. We're going to hit it every week. That's our audience where a raw battering us every every week. It's the place that matters least. But the battering us in older viewers and the battering us in, you know, maybe maybe more casual viewers. Well, you know, if we want to increase that overall number, bring in someone like Sting. And you know, bring in someone like Sting who looks motivated and looks up for it. But bring in someone like that tactically Like that overall, that overall AW number. I think that's part of it too. I think bringing him in and having that interest from him too. You grab him from different pools, aren't you? You grab him from the hardcores like us who were so excited about the Kenny Omega stuff. But you know, the Sting stuff's going to interest people as well. And it just feels like. Remember this time last year when they had that terrible episode of Dynamite with the, the whole Dark Order stuff and they had to do the reset in New Year? What a difference. If, this feels like a company that's grown up, has learnt its lessons, and it's getting its ducks in a row for 2021. Definitely, definitely. And, and um, interestingly, what you're saying
3: there like about those numbers, it's just got me thinking because like, um, I was talking about how Shaq hadn't mentioned the fact that he was even going to be on Dynamite this week, and mm. you know he's got whatever 15 million um, followers on Twitter. He's got oh, 80 yeah. million followers on, on Instagram. Mm. And I was thinking, why the hell isn't he retweeting these like AEW stuff that's promoted? Oh, it it he helps a, so much a, 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 that he's on a, on the show. But uh, in, interestingly, just thinking about you talking there, I was thinking mm, it, it's sort of almost like it's interesting because this this kind of gives you a read without that. Shaq bump the fact that he wasn't promoting the fact that he was on the show particularly and given how sort of small fry really his his role was on the show that they're getting like a a genuine accurate read on okay what's happening with this Omega situation they're getting a bit of an accurate read about what's happening with the Sting situation so they you know potentially they know okay when we're closer to the Shaq deal whatever this is going to be this match with Cody or whatever then if they then start to sort of like promote that more heavily there if they've built this audience via the main event storyline, via the sting stuff, you know, started to maybe build some of that older demographic. If suddenly then that the Shack stuff comes in on top of that, and you're getting your casuals who've got no interest in wrestling but they're interested in Shack and follow Shack on social media, you maybe pull back some old fans, you maybe pull back some older fans as well. They were, you know, Shack means more to probably a 50 year old than he does a 20 year old or something like that.
4: Mm. Then
3: actually. Suddenly, that's like a building block for further down the line. And that again, to then like incrementally build, you know, more viewers on the back of what they've already established. It's another sort of tool they can they can lean on. And you know, I was, you know, while it seemed odd that Shaq wasn't retweeting that, you know, whether this is the the reason or not, it kind of almost feels like there's a little bit of method in the madness there. Of don't blow your load in one episode. Of we know we've got Kenny. We know we've got Sting. Um, like if we mm. throw Shaq into the mix okay we might get this like one week bump kind of thing but then actually let's keep a bit, keep our powder dry a little bit there and let's really push Shaq when you know, okay when he's going to be more heavily involved and it's not just some sort of throwaway interview when he's actually gearing up for a match or something like that further down the line Like, God, if he's got 15 million, million, followers on social media there if we even just get like you know one percent of those tune in there you go you've whacked another 150 <laughs> viewers on the um, on the audience there which you know might just be the difference between okay going from a million to mm. tickling 1.2 million which suddenly you're getting into this territory of hang about we're, we're pretty close on lost tails here sort of thing so you know I'm, I'm kind of confident with with as well with khan's data analytics background and obviously the what the likes of um, chris harryton working with him and things like that They've got sort of like the, the right sort of smart people looking at these numbers more intelligently than we ever would as well. That, you know, they're, you know, they're probably building in that side of things as well, really, to to, to, to take things forward as well. So, again, mm. like, just all,
1: all, all feels, you know, real positive stuff. It feels weird she to have such like- trust in a promotion, doesn't it? Uh, sorry, JP. Like, no. just feel it feels odd. Like, it feels like I'm used to just doubting it and thinking, ah, they're going to fuck this up. Um, but, yeah, they do seem to have the shit together
2: they do and it's has he not done experimentation with having women's matches on quarter hours to see what they were drawing and things like that and longer matches like kind of little kind of tests within the show Mm. to see what will draw at certain times which is the kind of stuff that you would want a company like this doing during a pandemic period Mm. particularly when ratings were were low and they would be putting on matches that we would probably think well why is this on for 10 minutes Mm. but I think that's part of the reasoning for it as well I mean, I won't lie. I think the Shaq, I, I kind of would like to think that's what they're doing with the Shaq storyline. I also think that Shaq storyline needs a hell of a lot of work. It's a mess, isn't it? Because it's an absolute fucking mess. I cannot make head and a tail of it. Like, I really don't know who is heel, who is face, because Brandy really can't do face. Sorry. And she can't I don't do anything.
1: Under- she's terrible. <laughs> she, she's I literally, don't know who she's tri- card dealers. They tried her yeah. in every role possible in this company. Yeah. And they just keep trying. And that is my big yeah. problem with the JP. They've, they've forced her into this angle. Like, probably because Cody wants her there more than anything. As, <laughs> like...
2: as, an, as, as an executive off screen, yeah. I can imagine that there is lots and lots of transferable skills that she has. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't actually doubt that. I would imagine that to be the case. On screen, it just doesn't, it, it's, it's kind of a Linda McMahon vibe to me at mm-hmm. this stage where I don't want to see them on TV. No. And I don't know why I should give a shit about Jade Cargill. That's not been explained to me in the slides. I don't know who she is. And I feel like...
1: She's terrifying. I can tell you that.
2: Yeah. I still have no idea. Mm. I mean, there's a fellow who lives around the corner here. who's a fucking giant. <laughs> yeah? I don't know jack shit about him, though. I don't know. He's a big dude. End mm-hmm. of story. And he likes a drink, which makes it even more fucking wildcard-esque. Yeah. But at the same time, like Jade Cargo, I don't know who she is. I don't... Like the stuff with it's like the stuff with Shaq that's not thought out, like at all, clearly. It's like they're putting them together for what to have a mixed tag. Like, why are you having this mixed tag? And it just comes down to like what the fuck is going on. So, in some ways, I don't want to see Shaq on it until they know what the fuck they're doing. Do a dark order on it. Yeah. Go back, rethink this and remove certain people from the equation if need be. (sighs) Hmm. And then push Brandy off and her arm. Because I don't care about that <laughs> shite either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, while I've got all the confidence in the world, and the, from a business point of view, there are still creative things like this where it's like, uh, there are it's positives.
2: and so- when we need, all right?
1: Yeah, that'd be better, wouldn't it? I mean, it, it's it's where like the positives and the negatives of giving the wrestlers creative control comes because you know, I mean, I don't mind Cody being in two big pro- programs. That he's in this thing program. Presumably, wherever that's going, and he's in this Shack promo program too. But you know, it's his idea to shoehorn Brandy in and give her a eighth role or whatever it is in the last year, um, and get her involved. Like, yeah, I could, I could definitely do without that stuff, but it's still Shack. It'll still, it'll still probably pull numbers
3: and that's it's a, it when, when it does when they've got the shit together on it as well then that is the time to fucking promote it and push hard you know kind of thing It like you say it does feel a little bit disjointed at the minute so like maybe maybe it is kind of a you know i don't know it's like kicking your heels kind of thing until they can really pull the trigger on what they're trying to do you know from f- from that particular point do story lies wise and that's when you you know that's that's when you sort of put the uh you know accelerate it and sort of like turn the volume up behind behind what's happening there but but yeah i mean the brandy stuff i mean the big problem there is she, she just doesn't come across as likeable does she like yeah. in any way if she's if she's supposed to be the you know a baby face in this situation she just yeah you know, she, she doesn't convey that at all and that's you know that's a problem when you're trying to when you're trying to do this 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 storyline like i think you know how Jake Cargo came across more positive this week and sort of like battering her backstage kind of um, kind of thing for me when obviously that's not the that's not the reaction they're looking for
2: no not at all there was something i was going to it was going to be a great point lads and it's gone <laughs> it's gone out of the ether I'm going to let it, I'm going to come back in with it in a little bit. Like, oh, no, that was it. Do you know I am looking <laughs> d- d- for? This, be- this better be great. I know, yeah, you've built it up now. Snoop Dogg in two weeks. <laughs> if they get him on commentary, and I don't know, I, that Jones Tyson fight was fucking great fun, mm. primarily down to Snoop Dogg on commentary. And the fact it was sponsored by Weed Maps. And the fact that he'd had two fucking blunts singing songs beforehand, and then going on commentary and pissing all over Sugar Ray Leonard. It was pretty much terrible. And just I just thought, oh, no, there's two things I learned from that. Somehow get one of those Paul brothers involved. If you want serious kind of like heel heat, like they're, they're some you people you want to get involved in wrestling. But Snoop Dogg, get him on commentary on the reg. Like, honestly, to God, he was amazing on there. He liked his boxing, but occasionally he was just going, ooh, like that. He was just he was tremendous from beginning to end. And he made the whole thing seem even more farcical than it already was. But do you know what? I've enjoyed that more than most big fights this year. So I'm really looking forward to his appearance if they do something with it. But put him on commentary. Um, the man is just the charisma of a thousand other fucking people. Oh, yeah. And he's already better than any of the WWE commentators. <laughs> and in that, I'll include Samoa Joe. Wow.
1: I, I mean, I, I was going to say what they should do is do a combo shirt with Sting uh, after that, uh, that Undertaker combo Snoop Dogg shirt went so well. Uh, apparently, he's got heat. Apparently, WWE aren't happy with him uh, coming into an AW. You think you think, he, Snoop... think he gives a shit? Does he? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> WWE definitely think they're bigger than Snoop Dogg. They? They're not bigger than Snoop Dogg. He's Raps Madonna. No. He's a legend. Um... Raps,
2: Raps Madonna, yeah.
1: That's, Raps that's... Elvis, maybe. Maybe I should have gone with that. I don't know. Did you,
2: either of you watch that fight at all? Because I would suggest watching that... That fight for no. his commentary on the fight alone it was <laughs> tremendous stuff
1: <laughs> I'll have to uh, I heard it was good uh, but you know Snoop Dogg high doing commentary it always works doesn't it and...
2: Candace, if anything deserves a fucking medal for how difficult that is <laughs> I think Nauro would have been a bit caned as well <laughs> <laughs> Uh, They're that, big on the legalizing marijuana stuff. That was what Weed Maps is. Obviously, I looked it up, and it just tells you all the dispensaries are. And I thought that's fucking good.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we've got that to look forward to too. Um, I, I would say, like, also on this show, the um, the Sting stuff. I thought was really was really strong. Like, I loved that last week. Like when he, you know, you as you guys were saying, like he came out and. I think what I appreciated about it was it was clearly put together by people who who get Sting. Like, this whole presentation of him in this company. It's not TNA where... No offence, JP. He's turning up in a T-shirt, and he's just... He's Sting in a mask, and it's great that Sting's here. Like, you can tell again you know i slid him off a little bit there cody's involved cody's a sting fan he knows what's cool about sting he knows like last week when he first came out i haven't come out stony faced i have him be that whose side is he on kind of sting that was the best way to introduce him and this week i thought was a great way to follow her up too because i felt like you know again definitely a cody line slipping in that the only thing for sure about sting is nothing's for sure line love that in 1996 still works now Great. that's attention to detail that, I, that i'll appreciate and just generally like having sting in there just you know again cody's in two big feuds right now but you know cody can carry these types of segments with a, with a big star like sting and not get dwarfed and sting would have dwarfed anybody else in the segment because wow not a huge amount happened like just getting to see sting in there with you know interacting with arn anderson interacting with tony shivani cutting his promo and it might surprise some people but one thing I will say about TNA Sting is at some point in, in his career in, in TNA he became a very good promo uh, and he came a lot more comfortable on the mic a lot more comfortable in his own skin on the mic and we got that here we got the fruits of that here as well I thought this was a re- this was a, another money segment um, and another just perfect way to present Sting when, like I say, it's not exactly the most easy thing to do. Bring in a 62-year-old and, you know, a star of the past that you could easily get criticised for bringing in. I don't think they put a foot wrong so far with them.
3: No, I I thought it was absolutely superb. Like, absolutely. I loved that segment. I, I thought, like, at the start of the segment both Sting and Cody just came across as, like, superstars. They just both looked like wrestling stars, like stood there stood there in the ring, which I think it's, like, really important for, obviously, like, you know, TV wrestling, having, having wrestlers on there who look like they're larger than life, who look like, you know, their, their presence is kind of like, you know transcending the tv screen and you know like just making them feel bigger than they're bigger than they actually are and i think that came across so well but then like you say about bit the sort of the size of star that sting is he felt even bigger and i think like you almost kind of like it's bizarre like you almost kind of forget about the tna run sort of thing you so it's in some ways i think even in just two weeks the way he's been presented by <laughs> in, some, in some ways, the way he's been presented in these two weeks in AEW, it almost feels like he's gone from WCW to AEW and there's been nothing in between kind of thing. It almost feels like everything in between's been erased and suddenly it's this like fucking hell, it's Sting kind of thing. When actually, we've had X number of years of him in TNA and, you know, this like brief WWE stint and, mm. and you know, and, and things like that. It, it And I almost feel like. He's carrying more star power now than you know, God he was carrying obviously in his latter days of his TNA run and, and and things like that. I just loved the whole thing of like Cody doing the like I've been waiting to share a ring with you and then Sting doing the I'm not here for you. And then like, <laughs> you know, like looking up at Darby Allen in the in in the in the in the crowd. I was just like, ah, oh, that is fucking brilliant kind of thing. And so they were in your way. You had that thing of them both appearing to be stars then sting just like popped his bubble a bit kind of thing and then it just puts that element of focus on on, on darby allen and again you're helping kind of like elevate him a little bit more and then just the way it ended with like sting kind of hugging cody a bit where you've always throughout aw's history you've had cody is this kind of like alpha male he's a is a leader of the company he's you know whatever he's in is executive vice president and all this he's been a champion he's been one of the top guys and he almost looks kind of like a small boy kind of like nuzzling into sting kind of thing at the end And it was was just such like an interesting change in character dynamic that the the way they presented that and it just made sting feel pretty fucking like mega like a real big deal sort of thing as well as, as well at the end and just added that dimension to cody's character as well I loved every second of this. I was so pleased that when he came out, like they did the, the snow thing as well. We you know when he came out because that was just such an amazing effect last week. And then obviously with, with Sting as well, with having the face paint, as old as he is, like it kind of like the face paint sort of like hides his age a little bit as well. And he's still like, <laughs> okay, he's a 62 year old man, but he looks a bit cooler than your average 60 year old, two year old man, you know, rather than if you were. Wheeling Harley race out there in the nineties or something like that or oh, yeah. things things like that you know he just he, he, he still he almost looks at, I know he can't go in the ring and I like I said last week I definitely don't want him to go in the ring but he just sort of looks timeless and he, he, again compared to the Undertaker kind of thing he looks ten years younger than the Undertaker you know fifteen years younger than the Undertaker he, he looks he, 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 he you know he, he sort of almost carries that carries that I don't know youth or something like that about him a bit more than to say, which which makes him look a bit more credible as an old guy that you
1: bring him back. Mate, he was stood opposite Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson, you'll believe this. Younger than Sting. (laughs) What? (laughs) You wouldn't call that. I I can't claim that. I heard that on the Everything Elite podcast that I was listening to. But yeah, Arn Anderson is younger than Sting. I mean, Uh, I would say the snow in his hair makes him look a little bit grey. That's the only thing. But I, I get what you mean. He's got like a He's got a spring in a step that like he didn't even have in WWE, did he at that point? But yeah, that's it. He get he gets away with being if you'd have told me he was like 52, I would have bought it like completely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I, I think that
2: entrance makes a massive difference. Mm. I think the entrance of Miji was better than anything WWE did for him, mm. even when he came out and no one had expected it. Because that was just kind of quite generic in some ways. But I think that snow and using the kind of Game of Thrones imagery is something that's just kind of worked and they've hit on it and it feels big already. Mm. And so but in some ways, like naturally enough, I'm thinking, well, there's a million and one ways this could all go horribly wrong. And there is something about, okay, so you're going to have a match with Darby Allen? because that's going to be weird at <laughs> best. It's just going to be weird, a weird dynamic. And not a match you would have ever seen coming four years ago, would you? darby Mm. allen versus Sting. when he was in a bin
1: bag and evolve getting thrown into posts (laughs) exactly (laughs) fucking killing
2: himself for a tenner in front
1: of five people
2: yeah exactly yeah i mean my god what a movie made getting away from evolve didn't he that Mm. fucking worked out Mm. but it's but in some ways with this angle you're kind of living in the moment with it and it's fun on that week-to-week basis the multi-year contract are things that kind of go well What can you really do with Sting Mm. outside of backstage stuff and pushing him to TNT executives to say Mm. about how important it is and push this in terms of adverts and make sure you've got like kind of um, scrolling adverts appearing during NBA, which is starting, is it next week? NBA, I think it starts very soon. Mm. You know, that's the kind of stuff where, and I talked about the Shaq stuff earlier. That's the kind of synergy That TNT will like Mm. and the fact that they are being kind of proactive with it. So even though in my mind, I'd like to see him concentrate on kind of Sting and Kenny, if you're doing that, the Shaq stuff feels like a kind of an overload of a big angle to throw in there. And it's just now the kind of like, okay, let's just pace this out for the next sort of foreseeable couple of months built a, what i imagine will be the rematch at revolution between moxley and omega which would be a bigger match than the first which is the point of putting it on tv just to bring it back to where you started off with this beno in terms of what a good move it was for them mm, to do that for sure
1: um you guys have any other big highlights from aw i promise we'll come back around to impact jp we'll say come back around but um I suppose while we're talking oh, really AW... what is
2: there to say about impact other than it's an episode of impact mm-hmm. in
1: that was their issue, wasn't it? They might have managed to shoehorn Rich Swan into you know a tease of an angle with Kenny, um, but other than that, it was just an episode of Impact, wasn't it? Um, again, like I say, I believe recorded uh, already, um, and then they just tagged the Kenny thing at the end. You could kind of tell that watching it, unfortunately, not as not as newsworthy, I don't think, as this AEW TV. No, I, 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 I didn't watch
3: it. I just I literally fast forwarded straight to um, straight <laughs> to the end. To be honest, if I'm honest, I, I didn't watch a single match. More
2: people stuck with it than you would have thought, though. Mm. And I think probably putting the Tony Khan bit was good. Mm. I mean, it's difficult because they're in a better position than what they were, but it's still hard to see what role they fulfil in the marketplace, other than this angle at the moment. Mm. That's the kind of bigger angle. That's the kind of, like, bigger impact, pardon the pun, Mm -hmm. that they're kind of having on the industry. But as as a show it's still very much the kind of North versus good brothers, you know, they're doing the Bay versus Swan stuff. Eventually Swan will lose the title to Kenny. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm expecting him to make an appearance. in Ireland. end up watching that show this weekend. Mm. Like that. I don't need much of an excuse really deep down to dive back into impact. I'm kind of willing to do it. That's like the kind of theme of the next round table is about like, how does impact get away with this how Mm -hmm. do they get so many chances that's the kind of unbelievable thing they should have burned me off by you know the moment hogan walked through the door but inexplicably a decade later i'm here (laughs) and i'm willing to watch it yeah a decade ago Did,
1: did they do anything at all on that tv show to make you think oh i'm gonna watch impact every week again jp did the sammy Callahan promo not do it for you
2: not necessarily i think he, again he's done good work i tell you the problem is and it's kind of stuff that we mentioned earlier on it's the very clear fact they are a much lesser promotion than aew in terms of star power in terms of like kind of belt bell-to-bell talent the best stuff they have are kind of unproven um, and the women's division I,
1: the women's division is very good
2: the women's division is yeah the women's division is good it's not necessarily been a kind of game changer for them I think perhaps getting them onto AWTV TV next, that would be something interesting. If Diana Perazzo went, right, I'm going to go after Hikaru Shida, in order to kind of take a bit of tit-for-tat revenge, Mm. that would be something that would be quite fun. Like, you know, in order to do that, you know. So I think at the same time, if you kind of, like, there there are many ways to kind of skin this cat overall. Gareth's laughing at a completely accidental pun that I made during that as well, but we'll.
1: We'll let go, Gareth. You might out the gutter, young man. <laughs> it might be best we move on. <laughs> Back to the original question. Any highlights? the highlights of my EW? Oh. Uh, I just got that. No, but, uh, not really. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I thought the um the the, the the I don't the inner circle stuff. It's been hit and miss with me. I haven't loved mm. it. I, I, can't, I did enjoy this week's segment uh i, I think it was kind of carried by like the, the the rest of the inner circle i, I thought that like uh they get ortiz out there i thought he, he's he's showing a lot of personality in this angle i think it's getting him over a little bit as more of his own guy uh i feel like there's something there with sammy i don't know whether we're going whether that means he turns face whether it means jericho is turning face i think that's it i think I'd be shocked if that's not where we're going. That MJF is gonna eventually turn, is gonna you know take over the inner circle, and Jericho is gonna be Terry Funk on the outside. Um, you know the the, the old man babyface who's been pushed out by you know the, this younger upstart heel. I wonder whether that's the. Most likely destination we're going, but I don't know. I thought this week's segment was was pretty good. Um, it wasn't as hammy as some of the segments have been in recent weeks. Uh, Okay, you get your hammy moments, uh, like with uh, with Wardlow and uh, and Swagger doing their stare off and such. But uh, I am I'm quietly interested in that. that. I feel like that's especially considering it's for a. I mean, Jericho MJF at the soonest is at Revolution in February, so you know we're gonna have to be patient with this one. And I don't mind this being a nice little slow burn story if that is the end direction. Yeah,
2: I'd I'd completely go with you on that. I mean, I I thought this one was better. It's just that there's been too many of them. Mm. And so it's hard for them to kind of stick out. Yeah, this one is probably one of the better segments they had. I have a feeling they're going to break up Santana Ortiz or there's going to be some sort of split or divide between them because that's one of the things they played is that Ortiz and Sammy... I'm much less keen on MJF and what Santana is. He's a bit more open-minded. And there's probably very good reasons why he wasn't there this week. But I think that's the direction they would possibly go in as well. It just feels to me, in order to tell the story best, you kind of need to give it kind of a year. Mm. And that's a lot of slow burn stuff. And we're going around to every two weeks, there's some sort of meeting or conference or town hall. Mm. And it would just be nice not to have that for a bit. If they just functioned as a stable just for a while Mm. and maybe have a blood and guts match when he can get round to that Mm. in order to kind of have them cut sort of come on top, which then makes them look like they're a big faction again and that they're really important. Because in some ways, like while this stuff is going on in the kind of tiers of storylines that they've got happening, this is really a best third, if not fourth. Mm. at this stage so I think you need to have this one on the back burner because that's something you want to come back to later on when you've gone through the Shaq stuff Mm. and like the Omega stuff is in full swing I think then at that point you kind of want to think about that because that then affects the kind of top headliner dynamic that you've got in there as well and I think you can have stuff where Kenny would defend against Jericho at Mm. some point obviously he beat him in the first paper in double or nothing the first one that they had so that for me kind of makes sense to do that and have mjf's interference screw up or something but then i wouldn't do that until double or nothing again
4: Mm.
2: you know if you but they're like you stressed all along they're the company that are thinking kind of long term with this and i would say like in terms of other stuff that was on the show as well i didn't really enjoy the six man tag it just felt like it was there at that point the kind of Lance, uh, was it Eddie Kingston and Butcher and Blade stuff? I, I didn't really, yeah,
1: against Not Pack, um, and the Lucha Brothers, yeah. Like, are you back in the UK, is he? I assume for Christmas, maybe that's what it is. Don't know, odd. Why would he, <laughs> he come back here for Christmas? For Sunny sake? Newcastle, no, not a good reason to come back.
2: <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, is he thinking he'll get to go to a Newcastle game? Is it tier two? We'll have 2000 in there and he'll yeah, get a possible. ticket.
1: It's fun.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, He's uh, relying on a lot of good stuff happening there, isn't
3: he? I I think with that inner circle stuff, for me, like it's going to say John Silver's
1: getting on telly more. Gareth, I thought you'd enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, I mean,
3: I'll come to that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think with the, the the inner circle stuff for me, though, as much as I'm like an advocate of like long term storytelling there, and when you're talking about like and Stretching this one out and it being open something that could be like oh it needs a year and things like that. I I haven't been enjoying these segments since I don't know the last last three or four weeks. So, you know I, I feel like they they're dragging a bit and it's sort of like it's it's repetitive and it's 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 a bit like. Uh, I don't know. It, it it doesn't have much muscle behind it, kind of thing. For, for me, and and I'm just I think I think Jericho's ready for that babyface turn, and I just think I just want to see this just get done like pretty, pretty rapid. Now I think what were you saying? February is what revolution? Mm. Um, like for me, I would love to see a situation here where this turn happens. You've you know you've maybe got like they all go with MJF except maybe like Sammy and Jer- Jericho. Or, and there's just a big like beat down of Jericho or something. And Jericho even's just taken off TV for like a month, six, six weeks or something like that because he's been beat up so badly by MJF in the inner circle. And like it, just to freshen Jericho up a little bit kind of, kind of thing really. And, and uh, I think as well in that time, He can kind of he can hit the gym as well, get himself in a bit of shape, and just like lose a few pounds or something like that. Because, like I said last week, he has been slowing down a hell of a lot. His matches have been a bit more of a drag than they were 12 months ago or 18 months ago when he had that sort of like little bit of a renaissance. And then I think if he was then coming back into it, you know, I don't know, Sammy, Sammy could be getting battered or taking them all on one on one or something like that to plug the gap between now and Revolution or something like that as as Jericho's jericho's ally who doesn't align himself to to, to mjf i know we get into the realms of fantasy buccaneer but like i just think I, I just think it needs to happen i don't know how long they can we can continue with this situation of this him and him and mjf doing these interviews where they're both battling for the most mic time and this element of dissension and stuff something something just needs to happen for me and just 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 take that forward and then and then again i think Jericho and us as viewers would benefit just from a little bit of a break from Jericho and again when he then did come back at the the week before the pay per view or something like that. It would feel like fresh again and he'd feel like oh he'd, you know. You've sort of forgotten about it a bit, you know. You never know. you might have bigger crowd in by that point, singing along to Judas and stuff like that as well. And it would maybe just be a bigger moment. And you know, you know, I think i would certainly like be 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 well up for that. um I think I, again, I don't know. I thought you were a bit harsh there on the six man. Like I quite enjoyed that. I was when I watched that. I mean, I give it three stars, but again, that's as a as a TV match. Like I think the butcher and the blade have been like. I think they're the unsung heroes of of AW in 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 twenty twenty or you know what I mean like kind of the the low level MVPs. I feel like whenever they're in a match, it just comes out and it's just like a hundred mile an hour and it's as solid as fuck and then there's loads of action going on and they're like laying it in and it just it just feels like really entertaining. They're like one of them teams who if they if they've got a match on, I know that I definitely like definitely want to watch it and you know again as thrown together as it felt through a man in there like ah I, I, I love that it was you know once I sort of detracted my eyes away from Jake's snake green snake pattern trackie that he had on did you <laughs> did you notice that with a pair of shorts uh,
1: over as well like what's that look about he's got like a black you know, pair
3: of putty shorts on that's that the only distraction for me that kept pulling best
1: me best not to ask back.
2: any it's questions like, what really?
3: the fuck's Jake wearing there but you know <laughs> I, I enjoyed that as well as like a, as, as a TV match like Archer came across like fucking you know really good as well and you, you know you're keeping Eddie Kingston involved and things like that, at, at that level like, you know that was a that was a positive for, for me but then obviously coming back for, for me is uh, the John Silver getting there getting to have this tag that's match what I, match I wanted to know match. about hanging hang on the hang page like i love it i, I just I, I can't get enough of the fact that this guy's got himself over yeah organically and they're going yeah go on let's put the you know let's let's put the rocket behind you let's see let's see where this goes let's let you have let's put you interacting with some of the biggest stars in our company as well and you know let's see what what the the impact's going to be from a ratings point of view on your personal stamp but um personal sort of promotion point of view and you know just in terms of general storylines and things like that Like, again bringing back to that point of 12 months ago how dead as fuck the Dark Order were and like making people turn the channel
1: like what a difference they've been
2: really good for the last few months yeah
1: they are a comedy troupe now but it's fine because it's fucking entertaining Uh.
2: (laughs) Alex Reynolds as a result of just being there as well is also getting himself over
1: The
3: straight man, like, is just with with John Silver, just the stuff next to him, just brilliant. Like, it's it's so good. I I cannot wait to see what they come up with for the for Hangman being involved with him, like in an actual Mm -hmm. match. Like next 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 time, that's gonna be that's gonna be
1: ace. Yeah. and it just gives Hangman something fun to do for the time being doesn't it like just to, to, to fight off these dark ordered dorks um, I almost don't want Brody Lee to come back I'm kind of enjoying like Evil Uno being back in charge. I mean it is it's just a BTE sketch on TV but the BTE sketches yes. are genuinely great like since you raved about them on this podcast I'm like uh, Steph was raving about them as well like I went like I'm watching BTE again like and it's not for the fucking Young Bucks anytime they come on screen I'm like I'm fast forwarding like two minutes because I just want to get I <laughs> need more John Silver in my life That's the only reason i watch that i just need as much john silver content as i can get i like you say he's got himself over organically and like we keep saying if these were full-packed houses he'd probably be the most open man on the roster at this point like it's a real shame it's come at this time
3: huh. and, and i love the stuff with uh, dustin Rhodes as well asking, asking him if you wanted to
1: be seven <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's one for us in it the wcw references
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, no, 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 that's the last thing we don't want dusted nonsense around kids' bedroom windows again. Do it, <laughs> not, not, not in 2020. Get enough of that in
1: wrestling, yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyhow, yeah, that was fun. Oh, the, I, the opening tag was good too. I enjoyed that. The the books and uh, yeah, and Jack Evans, who's still somehow doing it I was watching um for the secret ROH pro. it's not that secret we're looking at James Gibson's ROH run me and Alan Farrell on Sunday on uh, on PW Torch you uh, to get a prep for that I was watching like an old an old ROH over 2005 and Jack Evans we, like did a silly it's Jack Evans so he did a silly 6.30 bump into a steel chair head first and almost killed himself Fox. And then I put on him, I put on AEW talking to all in it, like on AEW literally in the opening match he's still doing spots where he's vaulting over different people and moonsaulting to the back and and almost killing himself like. It's unbelievable that, that he's still doing it at this level. Also, on was there. That's the other thing; um, he also exists. Um, but I really enjoyed that. The, the,
3: the best, the best thing I can say about that as well is is that there was no entrance for the hybrid too, so I didn't have to watch <laughs> Angelico doing his shitty dancing on the way to the ring. Yep. It was like in the ring. Like,
1: yes. But he jumped <laughs> off a high thing in Nunchu Underground six years ago. Come on, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a great match. It was a spot match. I gave it. Yeah. I think I gave it three point. Two five or three and a half on grapple. It's yeah. not like it's not gonna be in the match of the year running, but it was so much fun. I love when they start AEW with those matches when it's just just a killer match where we start hot and it gives the show a bit of tempo. Even when it's with these these uh, non live shows with the you know the blasted in crowd noise that can be a little bit annoying, it gives it an energy, I feel, and yeah, I love that as an opener too on this show. It's
2: them working with the format, isn't it? Because mm. they've done this this happens mm. on the reg. If they like starting off with the Bucks, which is really good, because that's them sort of sorting out their quarter hours, isn't Mm. it? Sorry to be all dull and bring down the conversation Mm. in that way. Um, But it's true and it works. I mean, Mm. I have to say, I don't know what you thought about the main event. It was what I expected it to be, sort of a whole load of bullshit and kind of interference and all the rest of it, which I was kind of fine with. Although the Miro stuff, I just still don't get. Mm. Why he didn't come in, behave like this, and lose Kip Sabian? Because I will say, and I've probably been more of a Kip Sabian defender of the idea, when you need it, you know, easy there in the the undercard and that's fine and the rest of it. It's kind of brought down this act. Mm. And if he'd come, this was like a hint when he was going wild at the end of what he could be. It's just like, yeah, just lose the fucking other fella. And then just come in like this and just act like a maniac. That's all you needed to do. And it would have worked. And we'd be talking about, like, a contender for Kenny Omega and, you know, building him up in six months. Whereas at this point, that just seems quite laughable as Mm. much as anything.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, at at the end there, like, he looked great when he came in just, like, fucking destroying the security and just, like, go mad. And then... You know, he just looked like a massive hard bastard, and you're like, "Yes, this is exactly the exact thing." And then, I and mean, then, but you you can still see like Kip over his shoulder there with his fucking lollipop in his yeah. mouth and stuff, and you're just like,
1: yeah, "Yeah, just just delete this, just delete this guy from the picture, just fucking his... destroy him as well, like, come... <laughs> in his... knock him out of his top shop outfit." Like that's the thing, isn't it? Miro's out there in like three hundred dollar like. do you see the shirt he bought? It's like a is it like a... yeah yeah. And it's like it was on sale for like three hundred dollars. Should have been six hundred. He still got ripped off. Um, he doesn't look right next to her, like yeah, the the Primark oh. slash Shot model that is uh, that is Kip Savian. Um, yeah, it's odd. I've, <laughs> I've I've seen the defenses for it. Like Miro was on who's Jericho and Tony Khan's defended it on on conference calls and and, and in interviews, kind of saying that he he sees it as well. WWE, you know, killed Miro. It's not, you know, we're rebuilding him. I still don't think this is the way to rebuild him. Um, this is maybe the best thing they've done with him, giving him like a big moment at the end of the show as like a monster. But you're right at the at the same time, he's he's being a monster, but he's still got that haircut and he's still got that dweeb stuff behind him. Um, yeah. yeah, hopefully they get that. That is one thing I think they're really getting wrong. Hopefully they, they correct it, course on.
2: It's almost like in their mind, when booking him, they should be thinking, "What would you have done when he came out of Mania on that tank, and you mm. book him to go over Cena?" like that's that's the kind of logic of like what could he have become Mm. and then at that point if you try and do the rusev day stuff like i mean god that was something that was phenomenally over not that fucking long ago wasn't it
1: maybe maybe he'll come out in a versace tank jp maybe that's what they'll do that'll be the line
2: cares about it i mean that's the other thing as well is i don't I, i it's it's easy to gauge interest in some of these angles and the reactions to them this is something that just appears to be just, oh, it's happening. Oh, he's there. And he's just another bloke mm. at this stage in a mid-clad feud. Mm. Did, did you see that? Bit? terrible clothes. Did you Wait see someone giving,
3: giving him shit on, on Twitter this week? Oh, no. And they said something like, the, the best thing you did was like, that you haven't done anything since that tank at WrestleMania or something like that or something. And then he replied saying, I fucked in that tank. What have you ever done?
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: Good man. <laughs> Take it all back. That's a that's a good comeback.
1: <laughs> Viz would have been proud of that.
3: I, I was thinking, there you go. That's the personality that should be on our screen.
1: Yep. What do you reckon's better, Wait. him doing that, or because Moxley was on Renee's podcast? I was not he was saying that when he won the WWE title at Madison Square Garden, they went to Times Square and they fucked in Times Square. Like, you know what? That's pretty legendary as far as like you know big things they would Renee as well. You know, he's uh, he's got a good life. That Moxley.
3: Yeah. She, she seemed pretty happy about it as well on the podcast <laughs> as well when he brought up the story she was like yeah we had a fucking good night didn't we
1: she's <laughs> like yeah here <hair laughs> uncensored outside of wb like she did the punk interview this week as well didn't she and she was talking to him about coming into aw and he seemed pretty open to it um and coming back um she's a different person on this podcast though wow. yeah she's great
3: that punk show was excellent wasn't it mm. I, if you haven't listened to that i definitely recommend recommend giving that a Given that I listened, because like it wasn't as full of sort of like bitter bile, but he was still no. getting his good good digs in kind of thing as well, where he, where he could, and I felt like he got like a bit more of an honest punk about a few situations as well, well kind of thing. Renee quite... can cut
1: through the bullshit, can't she? Because she knows him. Like she was like, if you haven't listened to it, JP, she's like, listen, uh, we all know you're gonna wrestle again. You know, you fucking you 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 barely fought in your early forties. You're in the shape of your life you're going to wrestle again, so when are you going to do it? <laughs> and he was just like, well, he basically said, well, yeah, I'm surprised I haven't got more play because I love the carry Maybe it's just me and you being the big Punk fans, but <laughs> he was basically just saying, yeah, I, I could do WWE, but there's not that much interest in the stuff, whereas AEW, yeah, there's Kenny, there's the books, there's other interesting stuff I, I might, uh, you know, I could do. Uh, he, he pulled that line again about, you know, they'd have to pay him well for it, uh, which, of course, yeah. uh, but also, you know, they'd have to give him a good idea. He was the most open to anything like that I've heard him be.
3: Um, I, I, I loved as well his like stance on the whole. You know, he'd enjoy this JP and he's talking about like unionisation as well and things like that. And then, and then he's like, "It'll never fucking happen. It'll never happen." He was like, you know, he was like, "This whole idea of the boys is such a trope." He was like, "You you leave WWE and." nobody ever speaks to anyone ever again. They're not, in, they're not in it together, you know. There's there's always somebody who'll do something for that bigger cut kind of thing, you know. There is no collective, we're not all together kind of thing. Everyone's after the money and I was just like, it was just to see here someone of that level articulating it in them terms kind of thing was, was like really, you know, I suppose a bit refreshing kind of thing because, I don't know, just to get that angle on the unionisation side of things. And then obviously it was then picking up on like why is Xavier Woods allowed to have like all what he does on Twitch and he signed some contract with like G4 and things like that. And Selena Vega can't have a Twitch account and stuff, you know, it was just really kind of, you know, poking the stick really and a lot of that stuff as well. So it's all, it's all things you would very much enjoy listening to. I think this sounds amazing (laughs) to the podcast. I listened
2: to the first one, um, on a very different, I listened to one about Ghislaine Maxwell, which is Mm. very dark and bleak, but let's move on from that. Um, that, no, that that as a podcast sounds like an absolute cracker. Yeah,
1: it's well worth it. And
3: plus he seems like it gets it seems like he gets on genuinely with like Renee. And you think like mm. obviously if Mox is there in AEW as well and things have, well, that kind that. of Well like he said that he poo pooed that
1: match, didn't he? He was like, Oh, I've done that. But it's like, have you really? Did we never got like a big Dean Ambrose CM Punk match? That still feels no. like a fresh match to it. No. There's loads of fresh matches in there. Mm. And
2: well spaced out, they would be big think of the Boise drew on um, UFC and wrestling fans are more forgiving about that stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was going to say in terms of Renee Paquette, that she's someone who really should be doing kind of big daytime TV stuff. Mm. She just, just got that kind of vibe and cadence to her in the way that she talks, that she'd be a kind of good interview on um, like a good morning America or that kind of ilk of program. That's mm. the kind of stuff she should be doing. And I think if she's willing to go down this path and be a bit more like just be able to be quite blunt with a lot of the questions because mm-hmm. she knows what the real situation is, then that's something that's like kind of gratefully needed because she's a good interviewer at the best of times. They always underutilize her as a commentator. As soon as Vince got in her ear, the whole thing went oh, to shit. Oh, they talk they? about that
1: as well. <laughs> like, there's a point where all right. Punk's basically yeah. like, yeah, at a point I just unplugged Vince and didn't have to listen to him. And I was like to Jerry Lawler, why didn't you just do that? Like, why doesn't everyone just do that? <laughs> uh, but no, she's she's a great interviewer because she, she literally gets him to sing, a, sing morning songs to his dog live on a podcast. So, you know, that's when you know uh, Punk's in a good mood. Uh, high recommendation. <laughs> Once you finish with this podcast, go listen to that one as well. Maybe um, it's
2: not straight edge anymore. <laughs> <laughs> bit fucking high by the sounds of it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> high on life, mate, high on life. That's what happens when you leave in. Did he his, say sorry uh, to
2: Colt Cabana while he was
1: there? <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing he needs to do when he gets to uh, to AEW if and when yeah. it happens. Um, I suppose uh, we spent a, a good amount of time with AEW there. I suppose uh, moving on, we've got, we've got like an hour or so left. There's some other stuff we were going to uh, talk about from the, the wrestling world. Uh, lads, uh, the big news today what? was the uh, the best of the Super Juniors and, and Tag League finals today. I can't believe we didn't didn't lead off with that. I mean, I can't believe we didn't, you know, I wasn't here, lads, but you could have previewed it, you know? that's a good, like, two hours of content last week, surely. You know, the uh, the big the big finals everyone knew was happening today. Yeah, I was fucking, I was working from home today, and, like, I literally only, it was, like, 10 o'clock. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's it. that's on." I'd forgotten it was even on. Turned it on. Luckily, I was right in the middle, or maybe unluckily, right in the middle of Gorillas of Destiny in their uh, umpteen tag league final or prominent match that they've had. Um, so I can kind of, i suppose—I timed it pretty well. But yeah, that was today. Uh, did, did you manage to uh, to catch any of that? No. No, you didn't watch it, JP. Wow, <laughs> no. you're the completist yeah, I- as
2: well. I I will watch it. Okay. Mm. As a completist, I will. I like, and I kind of ummed and about whether or not to. And I'm intrigued by Hiromu Desperado, so like I will watch that. But mm. no, I I knew it was on, but they're just when I heard that was the Tag League, and it's just like, oh God, really, mm. really mm. them, really, yeah. We need this again, yeah. Like what year is like uh, this year feels like fucking like a mess already. But having them in there, even if Tamatong has had a shave and a haircut,
1: <laughs> a he looks like a handsome lad. You know, he's got you know. I, I'm assuming the match was three stars at best. It was three star. You know, there were moments of the match that were genuinely. Interesting. Until Lower got in. Well, until the interference happened, and then there was fucking ghetto, and Hell then there was Jeddo, and then there was weapons, and then there was more bullshit on top of more bullshit. Yeah, it was. I was kind of watching it this morning. Again, like I said about this tag league, it almost makes me want to work harder. I expected it to be distracting me from working from home. And if anything, <laughs> it's like the reverse of it. Yeah, it, it was rough. Fall uh, asleep if you're not careful. It the other match from today the other final I've got plenty of good things to say about this like I say there were moments where you know the babyface team you know Finn Juice I don't really like Juice but I do like I do like Finley. I do think there's something there with them as a team I think their little hope spots in the match were good but the bullshit upon bullshit it just reminded me why New Japan feels like it slipped this year. And I almost feel like I'm only just getting to this point with it. I feel like a lot of other people woke up a few months ago with this, with New Japan in, in 2020. I think it's been grandfathered into the point where we're all just used to New Japan. You know, okay, do the bees crap. But, you know, New Japan's still good. We've still got New Japan to look forward to. And we probably, you know, Wrestle Kingdom's coming up. I'm sure there's going to be matches on that that kill it. But. I don't know, it does feel like the the, the glory days are, are over and we're on we're on fumes because this this ghetto booking at this point, like, yeah, there was all of that bullshit in there. You had Sanada for the first time show a little a bit of fire on the show uh, and get into a bit of a brawl with evil, but, you know, too little, too late, and who could give a fuck about Sanada or evil? It just kind of reminded me of, like, yeah, for some reason... Ghetto was absolutely obsessed with doing '80s territory, heel interference type stuff all over his shows. And yeah, turning the show on this morning to this tag league final did not like change my mood about like current New Japan. I know we're all we're always down on the show, aren't we? Every year, JP, when it comes to this time of year, tag league time of year, and you know we always have to remind ourselves, Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom's around the corner. But this year, especially, it does feel like we're running on fumes. And like I say, I barely motivated myself to watch this thing. I was glad because of the uh, the Best of the Super Juniors final, which I'll mention in a minute. But the bulk of this show, um, yeah, rough, rough going. Um, did you watch any of it, Gareth, while you were inputting the ratings on Grapple?
3: I watched the main event literally just before we started recording here. Um, Like, again, I had no idea that it was, I had no idea it was today. I genuinely thought it was tomorrow. And then, like, I think I went on Twitter about 11 o'clock and then there was, like, people talking about it. And I was like, fuck, fuck. Like, I would have, you know, I would have put this on live kind of thing because it's the sort of thing that people might be, you know, might be watching live. It would have been the last day. As it happens, I totally forgot about it. And then, like, Came back to about like six or seven o'clock, and I was like, suddenly like entered my mind, and I was like, oh yeah, it was the fucking final, the best of the Super Juniors today kind of thing, and then like quickly, you know, ended up like putting it on the app, like you know later to later tonight, but it just it just didn't feel kind of like important. It didn't feel it 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 didn't feel of 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 the stature, and I think as as well the. Like I still have it in my head that obviously the number one match on Grapple last year was Shingo and Will Osprey from the final of the Best of the Super Juniors last year, and like that's the you know, that's almost like up there. Like, you know, it's a it's a benchmark certainly me for me with the app. We've got like great number of people like rating right right in it. Everyone was talking about it and things at the time, whereas this just has just felt on um, so much more on the... A low level and you know nobody's been you know the ratings that people have been putting in on the app over the course of the tournament have been you know significantly down on last year it just doesn't even though you know things have got held up over the course of the year we've had more people rating matches on grapple this year in total than we did last year which when you think we've had a pandemic and less shows and things like that it's pretty mad really sort of thing mm. that, 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 that that's that that been the case but the interest just doesn't seem to be there for this and um if I'm honest it's probably, like, the the only reason I probably rushed to watch the main event today was because I'd watched other Japanese stuff, or, you know, we we're going to talk about Noah a bit later, and somebody had tweeted me today saying the best of the shoot was Junior's final was better, and I thought, oh, well, I better watch it, kind of thing, to have that immediate comparison to do the, the, the show tonight, and, you know, it was a very, very good match, kind of thing, but again, it just, it wasn't something that, you know, all week I'd seen, like, my twitter timeline like you know busting with excitement to see this main event today or anything like that it just feels Mm. it just feels i don't know like the the heat's off it a little bit kind of thing and you know obviously i was alluding to things with the aw stuff earlier kind of thing but i almost feel like New Japan could do that, like shot in the arm, because I think they are definitely feeling the absence now of the people who were in AW who were in New Japan for a, num- a number of years. I think the the absence of those at the top end of their card or been involved in things like you know tag you know tag late and things like that you know the, the the there's a there's a there is a hole there and there definitely does need a bit of a freshening up a freshening up really of the a, a, of the card as well really so you know I think it it sort of puts that spotlight on it and like I thought when they left they'd absorb it much better than they have and you know i don't I don't think they have you know as as, as you look mm-hmm. at where we are with my feelings towards new Japan today versus where they were twelve months ago
1: yeah that's it and um, I think another like big element of that is like even even seeing today okay. Yeah, again, I really enjoyed the main event. I'm not going five stars like I've seen some some people go on the app. I think Hamilton gave it five. Um, I've seen it's like a 4.75 average on the app, isn't it? I'm not that high on it, but I did really enjoy it. But I was kind of watching it, going, "Why is Hiromu still in this situation? Why is Hiromu still?" Winning the best of the super genius. Why? I mean, he, they needed him because, like you said, they lost Osprey, they lost Shingo. You know, there's a it was a very different field with the uh, again with the missing uh, international people that they could have potentially had in as well. So they needed him for that star power, I suppose. But that kind of says everything for me as well. you know, oh well, yeah, we're pushing evil and Sonada, but Hiroshi's still mucking it up with the uh, with the juniors. Um, yeah, just everything just seems. It just feels like the priorities are in a lot of the wrong places right now. And it's just, I'm used to, like, the trust I've kind of got for for Tony Khan right now as a booker. Like, he's going to be my booker of the year when it comes to, you know, Observer Awards and similar. I used to have that trust with Ghetto. I haven't got that trust with Ghetto anymore. I just don't feel like we're on the same. We used to be on the same wavelength, you know what I mean? Like, I'd watch it going, yeah, that's what I'd do too. I just don't think we are anymore um so even when they give me something that was i still think it was you know a relatively special match i i went four on grapple it feels low considering you know 4.75 is the average you know maybe i'd bump that up to a, it's somewhere between a four and a 4.25 but i would feel bad kind of ripping on them on a day where you know they did have a match that was that good i mean i know you've not seen it jp but i would push you to check it out it's worth seeing um you know haromo I- oh go on
2: no, I was going to say I'm I'm very intrigued by, it, I,
1: I, you know, the unmasking as well. Well, that's probably I the main was... reason to watch it to get to see fucking yeah. Despi. Well, that's the thing. It was like when he did that. Like, if people haven't seen it, El Desperado pulls his mask off, and I saw a lot of Twitter chats today about how handsome a man he is with his uh with his mask off. So maybe that'll sell some people on uh, on going in, uh, and watching this thing. But like, yeah, that was a great moment. You know, we put got we got a fiery desperado out of it we got a it gave the match a great story still didn't win at the end which felt like an odd placement to do that if you're going to do that maybe you should win i don't know uh i've seen people talk about this as maybe as breakout moments in in new japan I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Um but it did it did add to the match. It did make, you know, it gave an extra level of drama to the match. It made me sit up and, you know, pay attention to the match today and and get excited by it. Um it's just the what's next that doesn't hugely excite me. Um I don't know. What, what did you give dispatch on Grapple Gareth? Where were you on this? I gave it four point two five. Um
3: mm. I did actually give it four point five and then I really, I thought a minute later. I thought, no, I'm just being generous there because everyone loves this kind of thing. Then, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that pressure, isn't it? There's that, there's that kind of like pressure and bias, and I thought you're ruining the average. <laughs> yeah, I thought it wasn't a four and a half star much at all. It was. A, it was. It was. It was less than that sort of thing. So, I landed at four point two five on it, and it mm. was a very enjoyable match and I think I probably enjoyed it maybe even a touch more just from having that little break from New Japan like I literally haven't watched any of this tournament apart from the first day of it mm. and just you know it was kind of you know tuning in it was it was good to see that ring and it was good to see that crowd and it was good to sort of see these people after you've had a little break from them and you know they, they went out there and they worked a fucking hundred mile an hour, didn't they? Like considering it was a match that went half an hour, that the pace that it was wrestled at for the for the length of time that it was was um, you know it was it was it was phenomenal, really. What they what the, what they kept up, but again, <laughs> again without wanting to shit on a 4.25 star match, for me it wasn't earth shattering stuff kind of thing. I didn't co- you know the the most notable part of it was the mask spot kind of thing that you the, mm. that you said there, and again it was that kind of the uniqueness of that and just you know the the intrigue and you know where does this go kind of thing that was that that, that jumped out for, out for me apart from that it was just to me like a very good new japan junior's match so sort, sort of thing rather than rather than being anything earth-shattering and um, mm. yeah i mean i'd watch it i think it's definitely worth watching uh, jp but yeah i wouldn't um it's not something that made me sit there thinking Oh, I wish I'd invested in this entire tournament kind of thing to see their path to the final or anything like that. you know it certainly certainly didn't do that for me it's
2: It's just sad for me because I just like you say earlier on it, it feels like you know that last best of the super Juniors tournament was tournament I didn't expect to follow the whole way through and fuck it I did because it was absolutely amazing mm. and I've heard bits of this, but it feels very much as a kind of like a, trying to convince yourself that this is as good and you know that it isn't and circumstances and help with that as well. It just also felt to me, well, you know, Ishimori's the title holder. You're going to go with Hiromu. He's your biggest star in the division. So that always seemed very obvious. Mm. It was the only real direction that we're going to go in while simultaneously saying, Do you know what? This is a guy who could be one of the biggest stars in your company. And like you said earlier on, he's in this. So it's like, like really, it feels kind of nothing. And when it comes to the tag uh, league, I feel like I'm permanently disappointed now to the Mm -hmm. point. I'm not really willing to give it a chance because that tag division has need serious work on it. I'm going to say it feels like for about five years, pretty much like serious stakes to it, serious matches between sort of big teams. And one of the things over the pandemic I ended up doing is watching lots of all Japan and those all Japan tags, those massive tags where they had fucking stakes to it. Mm. And it, you see AEW and the focus they put into tag um, wrestling. And this ties oh, in with the big old point about ghetto, not kind of losing your trust. I don't have any faith in that he's going to try and fix this, but that he's even really interested in fixing it at this point. It just, And I know there are certain circumstances for this, but I swear to God, you could have put on a more interesting. That was a hell of a can opening, I have to say. It sounded like a fucking gunshot. Like, that's quite impressive. That sounded like a gunshot, mate. You put your headphones back on. That happened. But, oh, shit.
1: Good work, Gareth. You wouldn't make it I as got, a cat dog, would got
2: real. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where to go from
3: there. Um, it couldn't it, even be a biscuit.
2: Uh,
1: exactly. Oh, we didn't get that. It, it wasn't, wasn't the, like the, uh, the
2: naked. It wasn't like the moment in the Naked Gun when he goes for a slash with the microphone on.
1: Oh, Matty did that, didn't he? When we did the uh, the WrestleMania podcast, disappeared for a fist, and he literally took his phone in with him.
2: And then he told us at the end of it, "Oh, his girlfriend's been asleep beside him the whole time." Like, what <laughs> well, kept that quiet for the last four and a half hours?
3: That was amazing.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, um, I just want to ask um, what I would say for Naked Gun, I? the bit when he sets fire to that fucking room is a lot funnier, and he <laughs> crawls outside. That film, I swear, even though O.J. Simpson is in it, and you go, yeah, he's a murderer, but fuck me, this film is funny. It really is funny. <laughs> really is funny. I wasn't planning on talking about Naked Gun. I was talking about, it in a quite serious way, the state of New Japan's tag division, Gareth. And then a gunshot went off in your house. It seems <laughs> You yeah. can't separate it's the like man said, from his brooduck. I don't have any faith in, like, it's that losing the faith in Ghetto And, the, the like, he should be trying to sort out that middle to undercard. Mm. At the Tokyo Dome, one of my big bugbears is you can have this great string of single matches and tag matches that have meaning and have stakes. Not always for fucking titles, Ghetto. Don't always need to be for a title. And you've got two days to spread those titles out. You can have some really just good, interesting matches on that. Will he do that? Will he fuck? Why never six-man title gauntlet? Great. whoop fucking do. Here we go again. <laughs> so, yeah, and Evil and Sonata. I mean, I don't know what, unless he literally had a firework in his arse, I find the idea of that man getting excited by anything is to be somewhat fucking impossible.
1: If, if there's an equivalent of, like, I mean, it's not happening. You know, New Japan is going to be fine. They're going to be doing business for years to come. But if there's an equivalent of the death of WCW, even if we talk, it's like the, the death of Ghetto or something or the death of like the New Japan creative boom period, Evil and Sonata are going to be on the cover of it. That, that footage today, I don't know if you've seen the gif of them fighting back and forth that I, I saw people... Doing somersaults about because Sonada finally showed some personality. He showed a minimal amount of fire, like that's what happened. Yes. Like he, he showed like he, he just did what like you know a basic trained six months ago wrestler might like, do it. In, in a bullet feud, it, it was nothing special. They had a little brawl to the back. Evil barely registered or sold it himself. My God, like that's a wrestling Kingdom match that lads. Like that is that. Not- that's where we are.
2: Not exactly Magnum T.I. Tully Blanchard stuff. it's really
1: not it's really not I feel bad because like you said JP I'm down on the fact that we're going to get two days of the dome I'm probably going to have a great time police might bust down my door while I'm watching it but I'm going to get Osprey versus Okada that's That's probably going to be incredible you know the mix I don't love the story with J.Y. and Ibushi and Naito and whatever the fuck going on there but you've got two guaranteed very good matches there it'll all be fine probably it's just the alarm bells are ringing aren't they you know with everything that surrounds them Shingo and Jeff Cobb, I believe that's a match. Is that where we're going to? I hope yeah. not. But. <laughs> O'Connor oh, oh, Tanahashi. Oh. Oh, yeah, they laid out Tanahashi on today's show as well. Yeah. That's another thing. I did I uh, did see that today where you know went after his leg. I was hoping that was building to like, Osprey Tanahashi or one of the other oh. days of the dome. You're right. It's going to be okay. <laughs> that's the what the Dota
2: gets in. like. Fuck it. Why not?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Shits and giggles. Christ. Just go with it. Maybe yeah, Tanahashi's on
1: a holding that's... part and he's waiting for, like,. Moxley to come back or Jericho to come back or something, but hopefully Moxley. Like, I doubt it though. You're probably right. It's probably okay.
2: For a company that feels like it's in a holding pattern, they've changed a hell of a lot. It's a really strange kind of feeling here. Like, mm. it's almost like we're spinning our heels, so let's go mental. That's mm. the response to it. Mm. You know, they've decided to shave a fucking mohawk during lockdown and start <laughs> behaving like a fucking loon. And, 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 and Now we end up in this situation of like, well, what are you doing here? Mm. Okan Tanahashi. Which then reminds me of what Joe said to Okan when he tried to charge him a tenner for a photo. And Joe just said to him, when you're Tanahashi, mate, I'll give you a tenner. You're not Tanahashi.
1: (laughs) It might be coming sooner rather than later. (laughs) Joe might have to call him at that tenner.
2: And quite legitimately, he was upset because he was plugging the manhole covers at the time, which he's still doing, but in Japan and he was just like I've given that man a load of fucking Instagram followers least he could do is show some fucking appreciation
1: it's a fair point <laughs> oh well uh, so yeah I mean you, you touched on it there Gareth I'm guessing uh, you're a bit more itching to talk right maybe not New Japan but uh, some other uh, Japanese action that, uh, yeah like you say burying the leader I think there was a uh, uh... There were, there were stars getting thrown out like snowflakes today, I believe. It was uh, <laughs> it was raining down on Grapple Towers today. No cowardice from uh, from Grapple Gareth today. See what happens when you do your homework, Lance. <laughs> I don't know, JP. I've got a different take, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm letting Gareth go first.
3: Five stars all the way. Wow. I absolutely fucking loved this match. Absolutely loved it. Um,
1: this is nowhere like, where oh, she is acting
3: yeah, sorry, yeah, it's a it's a it's a final final chronicle from um, was it last weekend? Was
2: it last Sunday?
3: Yep, last think, Sunday. Uh, there was like Gosiazaki against how am I pronouncing this? Shagira? Takeshi Yeah,
1: Takeshi Sagira. J P. is like teacher, <laughs> and we are like the kids doing our homework. I was going to say
3: it's like dad, dad, they giving <laughs> us the homework. Fuck me, what a match this was! Like, it, like as well, given how long this match is as well. I watched it last night, and I watched it again today this was for for me just like when you just like pick a style of wrestling that you absolutely love and just watch two people go out there and just do it to an absolutely phenomenal level. It just had everything for me. And like, this is me as well coming at this where, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm not there watching Noah all the time. I'm not even dipping into their matches probably, you know, for, you, you know, Fucking years, probably, if I'm honest, that I've have watched a you know a match. I'm coming out with that I've got no backstory going into this or anything like that. I'm literally just watching two dudes in the ring there, and like, okay, let's just let's have a match. And for me to be left feeling the way that I was at the end of that match, and then again when I watched it again today, ah, oh, it just left me just just so happy. I think just the way the whole way that the match. Was just you know st- structured. I think like the pace of the match was absolutely phenomenal. That the first half of the match was, I want to say it was slow, but it wasn't slow. It was you know they were doing stuff. It was impactful, but there wasn't any ridiculous or many ridiculous high spots or anything like that. It was you know it was something where it started where there was an, an element of respect between the the, the the two at the start, and then as the match continued, and they just kind of went to. War each other with like Shizaki just like opening um, Shigeru's chest up with them them chops and he's like an old wound there was opened and just like he started to bleed and then like he's uh, he's landing like just big knees and um, things like that it was just so physical and just like knocking the hell out of each other and and the selling was fucking amazing and i'm not some like selling fetish fetishist. is that the way you pronounce that um, you know but... he says
1: it like he doesn't know God. jp
3: come on yeah
2: uh, that's
3: all I... Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say i'm a few beers deep i oh, own, your, own to... your
2: kink gareth all right. <laughs> night and right we've had a few pints <laughs> that's
3: not an easy way to say when you're a few beers in but yeah, these like, friday night shows like it, 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 it just Get
2: it used to them.
3: It just made sense. You get these people though, and they t- they talk about selling like somebody's like got an injury to a part of their body or something like that, and they should never use it again or something like that. Like, oh, if somebody's got a sore arm and then they they, they do a clothesline two hours two minutes later, oh well, he's not selling it properly or so- or something like that. Like the idea that you're in there and you're in a fight and you've got a body part that's been injured or it's hurt in some way you're so invested in like beating that opponent that you're still going to use that body part kind of thing. But the way that this was just done so fantastically was just with, with Shiyazaki and his, his arm and his shoulder was, it just meant that his strikes and his chops and things like that, they just became less impactful and he was having to throw more of them or he wasn't able to keep the same stamina with the the strikes that he was throwing and things like that. And I was just watching it like, this is, this is like amazing. Like it's, it's a big book bear for me, that whole, um, selling aspect like like the the analogy i always use is like like i I, I played rugby league to uh, quite quite a decent level and if you're in there and you're in a big game and an opponent's running at you and your shoulders fucking blown out you still have to like put your shoulder in the way to try and make that tackle because course, if you yeah. don't, you've got some fucking Australian hard-ass coach going fucking mental at you at half-time for <laughs> missing a tackle or something like that, not putting your body line, you know, body on the line, being a pussy or whatever kind of thing, and you know, you're in absolute agony. But you still do it because you're there. You're in like the heat of battle kind of thing, and this is what they did. It was um, it, it, it absolutely just. The way it was, the way it came across was absolutely fantastic. And then, and then I think because the pace that they worked, where it was much slower and there was less high spots early on and things like that, when they did, I mean, there was a point, it was maybe like 15, 20 minutes in the match where there was a, a, a superplex or a brain buster from the top. And it felt fucking enormous. It felt like such a big move. And as you know, I don't want to sound like some old man of like less is more and all this and like be Jim Cornette kind of thing going back to the... 80s or whatever kind of thing, but it it genuinely did improve this match. Rather than if I'd seen a hundred, you know, like high spots beforehand kind of thing, this one would have just felt throwaway. But it felt absolutely massive at the time. And then what it did was it it just it almost like transitioned things into like a second act of the match kind of thing, where then things moved on and the tempo came up and they were both even more hurt and they were both more ex- ex- exhausted. And it just it just built to this point where. There was um, there was like a series of pins where um, Shiger had three, where he had three very, very close, like 2.99 uh, 2. kickouts. There was those those three, and I don't know if there'd been even any pins prior to that in the match. And then there was a, a there was another big fall from the top, which Chizaki ended up getting. You know, three very close pins, and it just sort of like really it just. Built that drama—the fact that this thing was coming at the end—and it looked like they were so very closely beaten. They were sort of so exhausted, and these small number of high spots that had, 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 had happened had like led to this stage. And and even the kickouts—they weren't like huge, elaborate kickouts. They were just slightly getting the shoulder up kind of thing. It wasn't some dramatic person sat up like mouth open un- i can't believe that he's just you know he's kicked out from my pin attempt or anything like that or somebody like dramatically thrusting his shoulder out of the pin attempt it was somebody it was like i oh, just a managed just got my shoulder up just managed to sort of avoid the pin and it just looked so real and it just looked you know you know it just looked so, like they they were genuinely in like a you know an athletic you know, fight against each other, and you know, I, I just, uh, I, I loved it. I, ab- I, like, absolutely loved it. I like got to the end, and I was like, I'm just giving this five. And it, it was almost about, it felt to a shock to my system that I was just going to sit down, watch a match there that was, was, I was pretty, you know, coming to relatively cold kind of thing, and just throwing five out at it like that. It was, it was, it, it just felt like perfection to me. I couldn't, I couldn't fault it in any any way. And like in terms of having me sold, like, I mean, you talked about it last week, um, JP, um, you know, I went back and I watched like the Nakajima match as well. Now, I didn't go the full five on that one, I went four and a half, but again, for for different reasons, and they're slightly different, like, the match structure was slightly different, there was a lot more focus on Shizaki's arm and shoulder in, in that one, and like Nakajima's kicks were just off the off the chart and that, but like I gave that one like four and a half as well. I've come away from that watching those two matches, and I was just thinking, fucking hell, I am all in on Noah from this point. And I'm just thinking here, like Christmas, I'm just watching like I'm just watching 2020 Noah. That is just what that that's just what I'm doing in in a in a time period there where I'm jaded on New Japan and just waiting for that to refresh and see what happens next year. I just feel like a, a kid with a new toy or something like that because. Oh my god, if what a, what a match and well, what a pair of matches, and, and and I couldn't be more positive. if I tried.
2: Can I interest you in Qatari pro wrestling? <laughs> oh, so I told you on the <laughs> nowhere stuff, <laughs>
1: that, that's the next logic. Tokyo Jersey Pro, no, JF is that that next?
2: <laughs> Rome wasn't built in a day, Benno. You look like a proud dad,
1: mate. You look really, really proud that you've uh...
2: I am absolutely made up. Uh, I suspect we're going to hear a counterpoint though. No, no, I don't.
1: I'm with you. Like you, because that's the that's the point I was going to make. You know, you're the one who recommended it. You gave it four and a half on Grapple. Mm. Garrett's, our, Garrett's our high man. I was I was hovering around four and a half. I gave it four point two five in the end. Um, for me, it's. I mean, I'm I don't want to tear the match down because that that still means I loved it. Uh, it was more for me. I just didn't get as emotionally invested in it. Um, mm. I think it was the length of the match. Just didn't, didn't, didn't 100% grab me. But I don't disagree 50 with 50 minutes. You yeah, can't it's, be long. Blamed for it's that. long. It's long. It's um, long. But there was, you know, there were points in the match, like especially that that midpoint of the match, like about 30 minutes in, where mm. they did they did have me. Like I was in the palm of their hand. And I agree with a lot of what Gareth says there about the selling. Like that's always been my, my book, boat barewood wrestling. I hate I hate wrestling selling. people say. Kenny Omega no selling his leg or Osprey no selling his leg is is unrealistic no wrestling selling is unrealistic when you walk around like you've been shot on the leg you know Gareth used the rugby example there like the UFC example you know if someone's, if someone's foot's it and they don't just they don't walk around limping you know they they try and work through it and they try and fight through it and if anything they try not to show their opponent that they hurt and I think that was the biggest biggest strength of this match it was the selling from both of them it was the it was the limb selling from from go himself and it was the the selling from him as well you know despite winning looking literally dead by the end of the match like he he'd been in a complete war like he was on his last legs and could be beaten at any second kind of selling towards the end of the match and it was that counter with like Segura's kind of almost shouting, loud selling, like using the using the acoustics of the room. The fact that it is a quieter crowd, like all you could really hear for like the last part of the match was it was screaming, wasn't it? It was like it was, it was, it was, it was. It was this is a match where I would literally, Love that. I would, I would put it in wrestling schools. You know, you say you're the teacher of the group JP. I would literally make wrestlers watch this sit down and like this is how this is how you sell like i say there are elements of the match that may win for me as far as like i say it mainly the length you know i can't really say much more than that as far as a, a negative for me and mainly the fact that i don't feel a particularly invested going in cold and watching you know a match with you know, two wrestlers. I'm not hugely familiar with modern day, and you know, with with without the the commentary to ease you in. Maybe the, maybe that'll get me some uh, some booze and some circles. You're not supposed to say you want English commentary, but hey, uh, commentary exists for a reason. And call call me a dummy. Um, I don't care. Uh, that that always loses me a little bit. Clearly wasn't a problem, obviously for for you, Gareth. But you know, again, I don't want to mention those negatives too much because I agree with most of the positives. You know, that's why I gave it 4.25 and hovered towards you know four and a half with it as well. Um, there was a lot of love in this match, and yeah, it sounds like you're in a, a similar vein there too, JP.
2: Yeah, yeah, I am. I mean, it's just fascinating here you you to talk about Noah. <laughs> well, he really is. It's just like fucking hell. This is wild. And we're How only two miss. hours
1: fourteen minutes in, mate. Usually it's only three two hours hard. fourteen minutes.
2: In, <laughs> I, and I think there's lots of reasons as well. And I think there's a big thing as well about there's a big New Japan sized hole for a great of big time main events that feel like main events mm. and that aren't set. What I loved about this is, you know, and I watched war games and the kind of pantomime nonsense around that, like this is war. This is what war should be in wrestling. This is kind of, and like from a storyline perspective, just thinking of these, so I've watched like of the of the Chiyazaki defenses, the Vegeta match with the stare down and then just the brawl around the arena. Because <laughs> Vegeta's a bit of a prick, basically, isn't he? That was our house That's wrestling, seven. that one. <laughs> yeah, that was our house wrestling for it. And then the next one was the 60-minute draw against Keno, mm. which was good. But then there was the realization, obviously, they're both champions. So they're just going to go to the draw.
4: Mm.
2: And then other people were big on that. But in terms of the storyline, the thing I kind of really enjoyed about this is it's just this Shizaki is an endurance test. It's just like trying to outwill him. That's the whole kind of thing that he's going for. And between him and Segura, there's the whole thing of, I am Noah. No, I am Noah. And they used it in the footage at the beginning, didn't they? Of Segura being in the, the original kind of Noah class. Shiazaki was obviously the person who was, um, you know, he ended up with the title after Misawa died. There's They themselves had had that rivalry when in the, the kind of uh, late 2000s turn of the decade. Um, between themselves. So there's that, there's the kind of history that they're bringing to the table. And in Seguira's 50, like, which is in and of itself just absolutely incredible. And I think the things I was like taken away, and there's so much to love from it, like even like Gareth said, even the early stretches. And I've watched it twice and I upped the grade from four and a half to 4.75 oh, wow. tonight. The things that I don't think it has is for me is the pop which if you're thinking of all the things you want in that five-star match, for some reason, a big title defense like this, it's that kind of... The crowd clapped as hard as they fucking could do without screaming, God bless. and they. There was a point towards the end where they just don't stop clapping. And that's clearly them going, look, we're loving this. And that helped in terms of me with the match as well. But that's something that I would say that I kind of need. It's like that kind of... It's It's that little seal of approval at the end of the match, isn't it? It's not like that fernal, that, that kind of great full stop to it. And it, it like it didn't have that. But I did just Segura screaming mm. as he gets hit with that last lariat, that kind of idea of complete defiance. Yep. Like there's a lot of stuff said about strong style and fighting spirit. This is it in fucking spades. If you want to see it, this is the in, this is the in, this in evidence as well. Mm. And the simple battle, like, you know, the story of Go Shiazaki's arms being torn to shit throughout this. My only fear, and this is that Noah are capable of silly stuff. And I, like, I I forgot to say, after the Keno defence, like, I I really enjoyed the Nakajima match. And this one for me is better. And I would go for 4.75, and he'll be up there for match of the year for me. My fear is the next match is against Muto, who's beaten Kiyomiya. Um, I mean, he's beat show Taniguchi, which doesn't really mean a lot in the scheme of things. But he's there, and they are capable of fucking nonsense like him winning it because he, oh god, he's they never won the know. Noah GHC title. Oh god, he's won New Japan. He's won All Japan. Mm. This is the final one, and you can like, and he's friends with the Sauron guy. And if you ever look at the under cards they're kind of littered with a lot of kind of nostalgia and things like that and it's like a bit of a red flag frankly and it's such a bullshit merchant even though I like as a child absolutely loved great movies just thinking just give Shirzaki basically a bit of a night off like 25 minutes I think he's earned that by this stage the person who should be beating him is Kiyomiya but this in some ways like this, the way that this should pan out is that shiozaki is this kind of marathon man who basically can out endurance everyone and and the that and and it's the case of like you're gonna have to kill me to beat me which is really like going back to the match one of the things that that overall i i I just kind of loved with this and this is like chops and forearms being hit at quite frightening sounds being Mm. produced by them Like, at times, like, I was watching it, walking back to Nightcare Surprise, and I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, that sounds like a gunshot. Like, Gareth opening up a beer can. It's that kind of sound. It's epic. It's big. It's like, bang, shit, something's happened. Has it all gone a bit New Jack City? No, it hasn't. But, like, it had that kind of vibe to it. But, yeah, this is... This is a match, like I know, 50 minutes will put people off, and I can see why. Yeah. Because it feels like a lot of emotional investment. I've seen Night Evil matches that feel twice as long as this.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, and there's no bullshit in
2: it. No bullshit. And after seeing lots and lots of bullshit on that fucking NXT show and what is seen as being forced epics, you realize what an epic is. It's stripped down, but it's authentically real done with genuine heart and emotion. And it's, and it's a war between two career rivals who are entering one of them entering into the last stages of their career, but kind of going, look, no, like I've been as part of this company longer than you. Um, You know, there's, there's, there's just more meaning to this. Mm. And you can get that. If you, if if Gareth's able to get a five-star match, From something that he isn't invested in, isn't invested in the story, and I've been following it now for the last sort of few months. Noah, like for me, I'm like I'm not sold on the undercard stuff. I wouldn't be trying to fucking sell you on that stuff for like. And there's bits of it that's worth looking at, but for the most part, don't worry about it. But like the main event scene is interesting, if nothing else. Mm. My fear is is just the Muto stuff might fuck it up.
3: Yeah. I mean the thing there was, I'm was i pleased you said that like no bullshit thing because that was the note that I'd written down there and it was like I'd, I'd, I'd forgot to say that was like a big part of it for me as well was we've, we've been this is you know we've been used to that we've been used to the ball shots the ball shot after ball shot after ball shot we've been used to the garrote wire and things like that and then this was just two guys just fighting and just going you know going for it trying to be the better man kind of thing and I think you know I like alluded to to it there was like they started off with that like respectfulness and then there was that point in the match where um he like he pulled the map back on the outside to drop go on his head on the on the floor and like and that was like that was the small that was the smallest bit of anything that was kind that sort of like represented i don't know Going out of the, you know, going away from the ring, almost kind of thing, like using a cheap shot, using something different, and it was, but it was, it was like it was just a nice touch, kind of thing, because it just showed that that kind of, okay, we started with that element of respect, but in here, in the heat of battle that we go into here, to try and come out on top things have turned now kind of thing and and i'm i'm going to drop you on your head on the floor like not on the mat kind of thing and it, it's a it was a small thing and it was a it, it was it was literally just one instance but it wasn't someone getting hit in the balls it wasn't someone like with some outside interference to distract them or like hitting another object or something like that it was perfectly like justifiable and credible within the match that at that point he would have took it to that next level. I'm going to do something that I can get away with here. That's going to hurt you a bit more that fits. And it's not without it. It hasn't come from without the outside of the lane of the story that we're telling right now in the ring sort of thing. And again, it was just another small element to that kind of thing. And to me, it was just this collection of lots and lots of small things, which, you know, on the surface are quite basic you know it kind of almost reminded me in a lot of ways when I was on here like giving my flare steamboat love story a couple yeah. of weeks ago kind of thing about how you know you can have something that's stripped back and it's basic and it's basic storytelling and you don't need to do everything under the sun but if somebody's doing things right and it looks real and there's meaning behind it and things like that and and that all was like conveyed and came across to me it was uh, it was so good so good I'm just, sorry I'm, I'm and, I, and I'm just thinking about here where you talk about the length like I didn't know the exact length and mm. I watched it twice and you said there 50 minutes I wouldn't have known if you'd have asked if you'd have put me on the spot I'd have probably said, okay it went 35 or something like that. It, it was a breeze to me to, to me to watch that I was just invested I was just in deep and like literally the second time I watched it. I kind of, like, realized that I was just sat there with a big grin on my face, just sat there, just, like, eating my dinner today, kind of thing, just <laughs> with a big, a big smile on my face. And I was thinking, how good is this that I'm just watching this wrestling match that I'm just absolutely, totally invested in, that I've just, you know, I'm unconsciously just sitting there smiling my ass off because it's it's so good. And, like, oh, it was it was brilliant. Um, and just to, on that on that commentary point, like, Beno used mm. there, like, I, I, the, you know, I think the when I watched the Nakajima match afterwards, when I was like, right, I've got to go back and and watch that one. With that one, that did have, like, um, British commentary. So it was like, um, I don't know who they are. There was a Scottish guy. and and, Stuart Fulton
1: and Mark Pickering. I I recognise the name Mark Pickering. Where do I recognise that from? So he's Welsh. Mm.
2: And I don't know, they're both living out in Tokyo. Mm. Because I saw the English commentary. I've seen this match once in English and once in, in Japanese. And I would say with the Japanese... There's the kind of, it hits the beats that bit more easily, mm. which is the thing that you get used to if you've seen, like us, lots of Japanese matches with Japanese commentary. You kind of, they provide like an ambient soundtrack that you kind of go along with, but you're not, you don't need to know the specifics of what they're saying other than you'll hear a move and, and whatnot. But yeah, sorry. Yeah.
3: But I mean, with with that comment, I mean, it was... It was so good, and it was so different. That that commentary it was just something that I definitely wanted to like make a point of. Like, hmm. I almost felt like it was like 1996, and I was sat there just flicking through the channels on Sky, and like I've just come across some like jujitsu or judo on Eurosport or something like that. Oh. That I'm <laughs> and I'm just watching, and it just it just felt like the
2: good present- Eurosport, real yeah yeah,
3: the pre- yeah, yeah, the presentation and like the comment the com- how the commentators were talking and describing the action. It felt like they were describing a real sport, and the, the look and feel of it, and the, just the, the 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 calm, professional way they were, you know, describing what was happening and things like that. It, it, it almost like just like legitimized it that bit more to me, even or something, like, something like that. And it, it just sort of made me just feel like, yeah, you're so used to this Americanized way of commentating on matches, but for the way this match was presented as a genuine contest to have two commentators who were there, who are not over the top and not, they're not almost thinking about entertaining you through their commentary. They're thinking about commentating on this as if it was a sport. It really, really enhanced it. And again, just for, for me coming at this cold, just as an entry point, oh, it was, it was, it was brilliant. You know, I, I just felt kind of like fortunate that the, the YouTube link for that one that I'd watched was the one that had these two guys, talking about it like mm-hmm. I can't uh, again I can't <laughs> yeah. I can't be more positive I'm, I'm this, is, this is the part I, I couldn't wait to talk about this today. we
1: had, we had Rev Joe what, what we got Noah Gareth yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what I am thinking Green John, Gareth Gaff- Daffel
3: from it. Just, just wait. Just, just wait. You've heard me like five months ago where I was like waxing lyrical about that uh, Impact show and like the... Yeah, John Jordan Grace match and things. And I was I was all in on Impact there for about three months. If JP's telling me here that... Muta's uh, gonna like take the belt and the undercard's yeah. not very good. I'm probably going to be here in three months' time, going, yeah, you know what? That that yeah. stuff. There was those two good matches.
2: It was a phase you were going through. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, when
3: the- I look at the gra- at, at the grapple ratings, because I'm like looking and thinking about like the grapple 100 at the minute there, but you just look at that Sagira um, match, like that's averaging out at like 4.73 at the minute, which is a you know top 10 match on the app. The, the Nakajima match at 4.62, that's a top 10. Uh, match on the app, and then just underneath that you've got like the uh, kanoa match from from August that's a four point five five you've got the um, Kiyaiya match from January that's four point four six and they're all shiazaki like that, you know from last year there wasn't much no representation in the hundred. There's going to be representation this year, and it'll be like right at the top end of you know what you see in the in 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 the 100s, and then I mean something I intended to do last year was to put together like a a grapple 20 or a grapple 50 or whatever from the the top wrestlers of the year based on their average ratings or you know some form of calculation based on based on the matches. Looking at these ratings, that like is in all of those, and and like it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out. He might be the wrestler of the year kind of thing once you start to do the sums here, or you mm-hmm. know certainly in the top three wrestlers of the year based on you know the the high end matches that that's been had as well. So so again, I'm a I'm a, I'm quite excited about that. There
1: you go, and you get to, you'll get to do all your graphics in uh, in early January when it comes to match of the year time and uh, a wrestler of the year time. There you go. These uh, I feel like we're going to be uh, talking about these lads once again at that point. I love it. Noah Gareth. Loving this Noah Lovinist. <laughs> Like a proud dad. There he is, JP. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if that sounds like your type of thing, it's on YouTube as well, isn't it? You can literally just search it and it comes straight up. Didn't even have to use the uh, the old Google Drive for that one. It's right there for anyone.
2: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, just to also to follow up as well, just thinking of how difficult a job that the English commentators have, because they have to try and get across the story but also, the main colour commentator, Stuart Fulton, was also translating Mohamed Yone, who was at ringside, doing some of the, the kind of... So he was translating that and also the promos in the ring. So he was being like Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton all on the same night as well. So it was like, yeah, you know, difficult stuff to do. I don't think you could do it, mate. Enough, uh, mate, I couldn't. I really, really couldn't. And I'll be kicked out of the country for other reasons as you both
1: <laughs> Fighter ever after uh, an all-Japan guy yeah, or uh, a Tokyo Joe Show pro guy. <laughs> JP, here's your There
2: he is. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll do your English commentary. Six, 60% effort at best. Just letting you know that in advance
1: there you go well I thought I really enjoyed that loving and I liked that like, we we went long on that because I don't think we're going to go long on the next thing um, did you all know there was an NXT takeover earlier this week um, yeah <laughs> like, brief thoughts uh, honestly because I've been ram busy I haven't caught up with this thing yet I don't feel the need to catch right. up with this thing I just don't care Either about man. NXT anymore it, JP it's gotten the last five minutes of the show Impact MLW all Japan shots like this uh, and it's a takeover like that's shocking um but yeah any it's uh any sly on all
2: japan and mlw which i haven't seen this week oh so wow much fucking
1: wrestling but yeah oh. go ahead. you guys tell me what did i miss should, should i watch this thing is the answer no? do you like michael bay films no oh you know what is pain and gain a michael bay film i think it is i like pain game. it all right
2: just imagine that going on for three hours <laughs> epic, 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 and <laughs> it's not. And going from that Noah match, where you've got this, where this cuts every three seconds and fucking pantomime and endless stunts with zero meaning to them, whereas a chop and a forearm exchange in Shiozaki versus Sagira means fucking ten times what any of this meant. It, very dull to say, yeah, everyone working hard as in throwing themselves around the ring None of it has any meaning. None of it hits with me at all. It's just a fucking month. Like, it just feels like a mess. And it took me four days to watch this. <laughs> I watched this, finished this on the.
1: You're the day. one who put me off. I was like, uh, if this is taking JP this yeah. long, you know what? I think uh, I can skip this one.
2: It really was. It was just like avoiding an essay. Mm. A fucking neon crowd sweetened and. Fucking nightmare of an S. I had to do before this show, and you can clearly tell I resented watching this show, like, I really did. Um, there's just so much, it just none of it means anything. It's just main brand light in a different place. Mm. It's kind of like, yeah, people work hard, but nothing sits with me, not even Gagano. Oh, sorry. Champa Thatcher is the same fucking person at this point. What <laughs> difference does it make, really? But like Champa Thatcher, I was like, yeah, is something different and I'm kind of enjoying it and they're working hard, but I don't give a shit. Champa's stale. Thatcher just loses, so what difference does it make? The the women's war games match, I was just like, uh, just none of it kind of connected for me. It was just a series of big spots going on around it. Sorry, Gareth, I know you've got lots to say on some of these bits. Johnny Gaga, I don't... That's a 15-minute match that so felt like 50. The... It's the anti-Segura versus Shiazaki match. It works in reverse. How to make something epic have no meaning at all. With interference and bullshit and all other fucking nonsense. Sorry, Gareth, take over on this, mate. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. It's not these bad matches
1: didn't enjoy
3: it. That's, that's good. I don't know why you think I've got all to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your grapple ratings. I'm, There's a lot of threes I'm, in your I'm, life there, Gareth.
3: The, like, to me, like, like I'm definitely not as down on it as JP. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it was a, to me, it was a perfectly fine, at stretch to say good show kind of thing for me, in mm-hmm. that the majority of matches were. Three star and above, I'll give like some three and a half there for probably what three, two or three matches there kind of thing, and like it was, it was watchable. It wasn't terrible. It was, it was, it almost felt to me like a tv shit like a tv episode kind of thing it felt to me like a solid tv show kind of thing and that you had some matches there that were like three star to middle three ratings kind of thing that that fit in there and and while that's fine and it's like you know you can take some enjoyment out of some matches and some elements within certain matches it's sort of sort of shrouded in that context of this is a takeover and this is like this is being held to the standards that we've held previous takeovers to where it wasn't that it was like threes and three and a halfs; It was fours and four and a halves. And it was like you were watching this and you were watching five matches on a show that were literally elite level matches that you'd be holding up there. As this could be a match of the year contender or some of these matches may well be in my top five match of the year list. And there were storylines that you were invested in they were you know they were compelling you had wrestlers who were working a different style to what you saw on the main roster so they were going out and working much harder and putting on much better matches and now it definitely feels like it's while i definitely wouldn't go so far as to say it was it's as bad as raw or as bad as your bog standard wwe pay-per-view like main roster it's a million miles away from what you'd see from the you know, the, the good old days of, of of NXT and and you know, like I say, it wasn't it wasn't bad, but there wasn't a, a, a lot there that you know, there was nothing there that I'd be like <laughs> like you know, texting you going, "Fucking hell, you've got to watch this match." Or oh, what a match? Or you know, like thinking, "Oh God, I can't wait to watch that again next week." Or in a month's time. Or you know, thinking about how invested you are in something. You know, it just, it just wasn't there. And then I think as well, just because of because now I suppose how long a lot of these people have been hanging around NXT there's that sort of staleness as well that comes along with it too. So like, obviously, you know, JP reference there, like Thatcher got beat and from what I've read. And I, I understand that he's like losing on TV, like quite a lot at the minute kind of thing. And you're like, why after this many years is Champer like going over, you know, and going over Thatcher, who you've brought in relatively recently. And as a you seem to be getting booked quite strong. And like his whole idea is that he's like, yeah, he's the, he's the shooter, he's the submission guy and things. And he's, he's, you know, he's, he's getting tapped out on tv and things and you're looking at it and thinking what's the, what's the benefit where's Champa going from here is he, is he gonna have another title run in NXT like do people really want to see that surely like the fresher storyline and, and whether Thatcher's the right person or not because as I understand it his ratings have been tanking um from you know when you look at the quarter hours and things people aren't invested in him but like surely that Champa run's been done and there's there's no legs in that, and then you you know you look underneath that, and you've got you know the Gargano stuff, and as remotely interesting as elements of it were, it's still Johnny Gargano in NXT after all this time, and you know that was a feud that I fucking you know I really enjoyed, I really really loved that feud initially, the the Champa Gargano stuff, like when it first was 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 was, was coming through before the. injuries and they extended it ridiculously and put all the turns in there and did too many matches and things like that but you're like how long have these guys been in the picture now has been like prominent features on their show and on their pay-per-views and things and like now it's happening further down the card and you're like do we really need to be seeing these Mm -hmm. like surely surely there's this whole idea of nxt is that there's fresh blood to come in here and fill those spots and them to move on or you know the, into different areas and as long as they keep like hanging around and being, you know key elements of a show where there's still only a small amount of matches on it then like what's what's the whole what's the point of the system as a whole yeah. like almost mm-hmm. like I, I don't know it just left me just feeling a bit like where i'm down on nxt now and i was thinking well where's what's the future of nxt and it didn't leave me feeling like the future of nxt is going to be turning the corner and getting better anytime soon it made me look at it and think yep, yeah, this is going to be like watching an episode of Raw in twelve months' time, or something like that, or watching some throwaway pay-per-view, or something like that. That's the direction it's going in. It's not going into the awesome, ridiculously stacked, super indie great matches feel that NXT had a couple of years ago. You know, it's 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 going the other way, and you know, like it's 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 sad, like. I, like, I, I keep coming back to the point of view of when they put NXT head-to-head with AEW, and I remember tweeting at the time, the sad thing about this is that NXT is going to be the casualty of a- AEW success, not Raw, and that is just like coming to fruition. I don't want to like pat myself on the back about that, because I'm, I'm probably gutted about it, really. I used to, <laughs> used to love a bit of NXT, but it's, we, the, the signs are there.
2: You've hit the nail on the head, though. The issue is, is that NXT kind of exists to stop AEW growing on Wednesdays. That appears to be fundamentally the reason why it's there. And they get some revenue from USA for it as well. But it's it's just so odd because you're watching the Undisputed Era and you're thinking you should be on the main roster really as the top heel faction. And just ignore the people who talk about height and go with a crazy thing called wrestling ability and charisma instead. Dusty Rhodes wasn't a fucking looker, was he? christ and people got into him yeah exactly
1: well, this is why keith you know, he has been sent back to the performance center mate he's got to work on that body he's got to you need to learn how to work should have told them to go fuck themselves <laughs> they probably admire
2: that more weirdly in their fucking jock off jockocracy fucking fifth <laughs> tannon style universe that they live in where assholes are fucking champs yeah. And you
3: saw that. You saw that list today, and then like, and, yeah. and I got to Keith Lee's name. I was like, "What?" I was like, "He had a network special all about him, didn't he?" Like last week or something like that.
1: Like, yeah. he just... did that big yeah, moment man, in the I... Rumble, big moments in Survivor Series.
3: How the hell is he on the list with all these like big trainee oh. guys? as someone who can't work
2: like unbelievable?
1: It's like what they did with Some... Big Show back that's in the day. That's isn't all it? fetish, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Vince just doesn't clearly just doesn't get. That... It.
2: But ever since that Louis Theroux episode, we hung around with bodybuilders, and I was just like, this is weird. Mm. I find bodybuilding kind of weird, mm. which means that they're, their impression of what they think makes a star is you know, it, it, you might as well ask them just to make 1980s action movies because that's the fucking template it is It's long hairs and fucking muscles and fucking roidy spots all over the shop. Um, yeah, it's, it's just like watching like people like Damien Priest on this. It's like, why is he there? Mm. He should be on the main roster. He's got what they want on the main roster. Why isn't he there? Just like none of this has any stakes. Mm. None of this has any meaning. And it's shot in the exact same way they shoot the main product. Mm. So there isn't even that kind of differential now at this point. Yeah, it just it feels incredibly stale. So,
1: yeah. so what you're saying is, JP? Yeah, I've, uh, I should rush out and uh, and watch this. Yeah, um... well, go and get a Greg tomorrow morning before you watch it. But I'd expect
2: all <laughs> of to to be it to Can I not do it, Jory? It's next week's homework, mate. mate. <laughs> and that. I'm a harsh teacher, so
1: yeah. There you go.
2: Enough of it. Don't forget, you've got Triple Mania on Saturday. So I,
1: I'll expect you. That's the headline. Um, yeah. Um, I was gonna say actually, Gareth, is, is there is there anything like from a star rating point of view that jumps out from this show as like averages on Grapple? Because I know we might not be entirely in touch with you know that hardcore NXT fan base who still say think the it's least. the best.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, what I would say, like on the back of that was, like obviously, I've like slated other elements of it there kind of thing, but I, I did enjoy the main event, like mm. I, like. For, for what it was, what was the main event? And, I actually don't even know. And, and and it was it was the undisputed <laughs> era. It was, it, it, it oh, was, was it? <laughs> it, was, it was it was an undisputed era, and they were going against Birch and Oni and Big Don, and Pat McAfee was in that. And okay, like which on the surface, listen to that, and you think like, yeah, okay, but there was some value. There was some value in that. I I I think as you know, it was definitely the high point of the of the. Um, of the card I think if you just wanted something to just throw on for a bit of like fucking pulp entertainment for 40 minutes that you're not taking too seriously and mm. you know then fine like watch it kind of thing and I can't, it was it was fun it was like I think the you know the yeah, if you're taking it face value for what it is, like the McAfee stuff was like quite amusing and things I like do that. Like I, I do like him. I thought yeah I thought I thought he played his role very well. You know obviously they've got them in them them cages kind of thing as where they can take the turns to come to the ring. Mm-hmm. And like every time he'd be there at the front, like, right, I'm going, and then, you know, like, you know or whatever be in front of him like no 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 i'm going in now and he's obviously just been the the dickhead heel like kind of thing like as if he's going in next kind of thing as if he's not waiting to the end kind of thing and that had its value in the way that that was sort of that was booked and you know there was there was some you know there was some quite like brutal stuff in there you know i thought there was there was stuff where um where Fish and O'Reilly were working together, like early on against Dunn and who was the first guy? And was it Dunn and Larkin? I think kind of yeah. there, was, there was, there was you know, at the end of the day, you look at them four names and you go, yeah, of course, put them in the cage in there, and you know, of course they're going to go out there and they're going to do some good stuff, kind of thing. Like, uh, you know, that was that was definitely entertaining as uh, as well. You know, I'd I, I wouldn't tell anybody to not watch this main event, you know, just you know, obviously based on taste. Um, I think um, I don't know. Pete Dunne just looked weird to me, though. Like he just, he's lost so much weight. Like I, I know he's like I know he's toned up, kind of thing, or whatever, or he's, he's like more muscle definition or something like that. But he looked tiny, and I, I thought he just he felt like he'd he lost an element of credibility about him or something like that. I just I thought. I can't imagine him turning up on the main roster. He'd look like Leon Ruff did on this show compared to some of the other guys. Like, he would have looked... He'd look tiny compared to some of the guys on the main roster there, and he'd he'd have zero credibility about him. Like, I can understand him, like, getting... Into more defined physical shape, but fucking hell, mate, you need to have a few pies or something like that. He's, he's, he's got to, but you need to put two stone on if you can put two stone on and keep this <laughs> definition.
2: A vegan, mate, isn't
3: it? <laughs> oh, Get your cheese and onion pies down, chip, you, mate. Chip,
1: like... chip bodies. <laughs> yeah. Vegan oh, sausages well. from Greg's. I'll take. Me and Gareth will teach him.
3: <laughs> Absolutely, but he didn't look at. He didn't look. Oh. Uh, he didn't look Put it this way: He didn't look like a guy who was going to walk into the main roster and look like a credible person who could go in there and just like you know be challenging for a world title or or taking the intercontinental title. If anything, he looked like somebody who'd be on the main roster and he'd be like, you know, if what, if if it's fucking Shorty G or something like that, he'd be like Pigmy P or something like that. I don't know, yeah. you know, you know, he'd be getting. You know, he'd be getting totally stripped away, anything good about him, because uh, there's no way Vince McMahon's taken him seriously at the, at the size that he is currently.
2: It'd probably give him some sort of, we mentioned it earlier on, some sort of carry-on style gimmick, wouldn't it? Where he's, like, trying to, act like serious wearing glasses, and one of the divas bumps into him, and he's like, whatever, and they're just <laughs> kind of moving around like that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he, it's... I don't know, like... It, I, like it's one of the things you can appreciate is that everyone's killing themselves. But it, it was also watching this thinking, God, like the war games and it's obvious you know, say the stuff with that kind of ever present nostalgia, and you think back to ninety two, Dangerous Alliance Sting Squadron, which just felt really heated and dynamic. Whereas this, you know there's not gonna be any blood, and that is one of the things. And the roof is a big deal. That's yeah. part of the point is games. you can't escape. And it's not there, so somebody can do a dive off it. Yeah. Preferably E.O. Shirai in a dustbin. Yeah. <laughs> and doing that. Like, really? We needed that, did we?
0: That, was, bizarre.
2: Did. that was absolutely... Bizarre. And they were going, I well, did see that no one can have pins, because no one's in the match. And it's like, she's been in the fucking match, mate. She's been in it for a good few minutes now at this stage. Yeah, it's... It, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'll stop being down on it. Oh, well. There's a reason <laughs> we left
1: it to the last segment, JP. I
2: yeah, there is. It's, it's NXT's and it have 10. And would tainted MLW and all Japan to talk about them after that. So
1: <laughs> very true. Do you want to tell us how excited you are for Triple Mania before we go? i uh,
2: excited! <laughs> it's going to be fucking stupid. I was you like, two
1: know this as well. I was like, is this a year anniversary since we were all in, in Grapple Towers watching Triple Mania, and then I realised it's been delayed, has not it, by the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah, it would have been August mm. um, for that because it was late
2: August for us because the mm. football season, was that. it wasn't opening weekend, was it second week? Of the Something like that, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's, it must... it's there as empty arena stuff. The main event will be Chessman Pagano. They're both shit. And all, they, and all Pagano does is bleed and do daft fucking stunts. I expect nothing of any sort of like kind of serious level, but they're getting, as AAA do, inexplicably big kind of mainstream coverage and lots of Mexican television outlets, and you shake your head and go, it's kind of inexplicable. It's it's a nonsense show. It's worth tuning in, because in some ways it's just like, I don't know, like CMLL, you could tune in and watch as a sort of more authentic loot lucha product but so much lucha relies on audience Mm. that's like part of the whole kind of kit and caboodle isn't it Of of the of that whole experience with with lucha like in the same way in japan you want the graphics to be done in that particular way you want the presentation in that way you want the fans behaving the way they do because that's part of the kind of entry so having a kind of empty arena triple mania is going to be weird how they do it um they'll still technically fuck up we both we all know this. I don't know why we, any of us, would pretend otherwise. Um, so yeah, I expect it to be shit, but watchable.
3: It's just painful. It's just like again with 2020 being what it's what it's been, and just like. Just the the uh, obviously that we've had, and like your inability to, to go to shows and stuff. Just Triple Mania now to me just makes me think of us lot like, just like sat in mine, just absolutely pissed after a good day out, and just like I've several watching, good watching, days watching.
2: out. <laughs> yeah, watching, yeah, several good days out. Watching London that Rampage. Thursday, meeting for a quiet beer at that
1: station, oh, yeah, it yeah. fucking messy. I've recovered from else. that still now, honestly. Like, and we <laughs> didn't even make the end of the show. We didn't even finish Triple Mania. No,
2: no. It took, I had to watch it when I got back to Oxford. I think it was. It was no idea. It was, so it, was a, it was a
3: fucking good main event though. That Blue Demon yeah. Doctor Wagner Junior match, the, like the main event. But like, yeah, I'm, like, there's something there where you're like talking about, it and I'm thinking like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch Triple Mania again. But I kind of don't want to really. I'm just gonna feel a bit like sad. Really, the, the the occasion's gonna definitely be different to uh to to last year, but. Um, I don't know. We'll 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 see. Omega's on there. See what happens. There
2: yeah, belt collector. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'll he won't lose to Laredo Kid. I'd be incredibly surprised.
1: No, if he was going to lose
2: to anyone, it'd be like Vikingo
1: because
2: mm. he's shit. I'd take that on AEW. Get
1: him into the company.
2: Yeah. Mm. that's the only other thing that you can kind of get sorry to turn it back to AW if you can get those one off people coming in for a special shot to kind of challenge and go look you've disrespected my territory I'm going to do this That'd be fine. <laughs> Not for Garno or Chessman though; they're fucking
1: awful. I'd take it just for the Bizarro mid nineties WCW vibe about it all. Always works. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be uh, we'll be talking that uh, on our next show if we all manage to uh, to get through it this time. Can't imagine uh, we'll be watching it live, but you know it's on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I suppose in the meantime, uh, anything else uh, you guys want to plug uh, before we go before next week? Uh, JP, there's a roundtable coming next week. We hope.
2: Yeah, dude round table next week we sort of moved it back with a lot of the, the schedules I've said that a lot now haven't I over the last few weeks um, I'm still not sure when we're recording next that feels like a conversation that we should have we'll figure it um, out we'll work it out somehow it's just the problem is they're spreading the wrestling all throughout the week mm. so like if you want this and let's face it any of you listening you haven't paid for this <laughs> so like at the same time beggars can't be choosers can they wow So you'll get you'll get what you're given that's my plug <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Sorry, <laughs> proper,
2: proper dad mode there.
3: Wow,
1: it really
2: was quite cross at the audience. Luckily, it's
1: two hours fifty-two. JP and so no one's listening anyway. Um... Yeah, that was mine. <laughs> Gareth, editing from you. The
3: usual. Uh, download the app. Uh, get your ratings in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there
4: you Follow
3: go. us after Grapple Up, and the, I think the, the main thing for me is we're just coming up to the end of the year, so um hopefully this week you know just starts like having just a bit of a push on you know just some um, some lists and things like that of just um just trying to raise just a bit of awareness maybe of some of the matches that you haven't seen this year that have maybe been rating a bit higher if you've not been like using the filter on and the app and things there might be like good matches that you've missed and like me you might end up just watching Noah or something like that and absolutely fucking loving it you know there's plenty of obviously that's one of the uh beauties these days is that we can pinpoint these matches and it's there on fucking youtube or whatever a touch of a button that you can just uh, turn around and, and watch it we don't have to uh, we don't have to be dealing with tape traders anymore or things like that <laughs> and waiting for months to get access to these things so hopefully they can help you uh, help you plug your match of the year list as well with some of the good stuff that you've been missing so just keep an, uh, keep an eye on uh, the grapple app account on twitter for for those things coming up good man
1: uh, yeah for me obviously did uh, BWB this week uh, catching up on my podcast after a little break uh, we did uh, we talked to NXT UK Rev Pro uh, we had Rich Fanon who was an incredible guest we love Rich um, you and him JP we need to get that Arsenal podcast oh. going one day one day it's happening yeah.
2: great um, <laughs> guy he really is he's the a man a lot of big in-depth conversations about that Arsenal youth team that we should be having.
1: There you go, it's coming, it's coming. Hopefully, we'll get them over on the uh, the grapple side again at some point soon. If you want to listen to that, yeah, British wrestling experience at postwrestling.com. And as I mentioned earlier, this weekend I'll be uh, completing my uh, my Ring of Honor triple shot. I'm sure everyone's sick of me talking about the uh, the good old days by this point. But me and uh, Alan Farrell will be talking some uh, some James Gibson and ROH and there's some classics in there, JP. We're gonna blow you away. You're gonna hear all yeah. about uh, Jamie Nobles unbelievable indie run that really did happen um, in the mid 2000s so everyone can check that out too other than that Follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Throw it out for JP. Follow him on Twitter at JPJP, and he always says don't, but follow Gra- Gareth at Grapple Gareth on Twitter. He's always a good okay. follower as well. You get to see him throw snowflakes out like his uh, like his five stars today, you know, ahead of time. So definitely follow him. And yeah, like as like JP said, we're uh, we're still working on the schedule. Things are a little bit up in the air, but we should be back uh, soon enough with another show. So yeah, that's it for us for another week. We'll see you again soon. Bye. See so, ya. Yeah.